I really feel like there is somebody calling the shots in popular culture listening to this show. I'm looking for a girl with green eyes. <laughs> um. Price is no object. <laughs> <laughs> Superman shouldn't be dark. Superman shouldn't break people's necks. You know what I mean? Like he shouldn't, like he's Superman. That's why Batman exists is for that kind of stuff. You're going to turn 39 this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Shit. And I'm going to turn 38 this year. Fuck. <laughs> Shit. Fuck. <laughs> Oh, live. Welcome to Long Walk Short Drink, episode forty three. I am Palmer. Broadcasting to you from Dayton, Ohio. And this is Dave, uh, podcasting at you from Northfield, Minnesota. Greetings, Long Walkers. Yeah, and this is Long Walk Short Drink. Uh, if this is your first episode, where the fuck have you been? <laughs> yeah. um, there's a whole back catalog. I, I mean, thousands of hours of, of conversation <laughs> <laughs> that you're going to have to muddle through to get all the inside jokes. Good luck, new yeah. listeners. Um. <laughs> yes. So, uh, that's a, I like that. We'll just be like willfully um, standoffish about like good luck jumping and in, diving into this. <laughs> yeah. Like for, for all the <laughs> listeners like me to would hear that intro, be like, "Well, I'm never going to listen to that podcast." <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> just because I'm like, yep, I like there like there's some there, i've seen articles written about anime why like anime is so intimidating for people to come into because some of those shows in japan have like like thousands of episodes like the show's just been going on forever you know like there's just a lot of episodes and so for a completist to look at that and be like there's no way i'd ever I, I'm always worried I'm going to miss some inside joke or some of the inside thing, you know, like I've talked about <laughs> the whole reason I don't watch Doctor Who is because there <laughs> are confirmed yeah. episodes that are destroyed <laughs> that nobody that they only aired once and then that then they were gone. And I know I can never see those episodes. So that whole franchise, the whole universe is gone to me. Just gone. Oh. Doesn't doesn't exist. <sighs> the bride Shit. has been watching Doctor Who for the last I don't I want to say a couple years, I guess. Um so I hear it from the other room from time to time. Actually, usually when she'll watch it is when she's taking a bath, she'll watch it on her iPad. And uh so a lot of t if you if if people listen with headphones or something like that to our show, it's very possible that they've heard Doctor Who in the bathroom <laughs> or in the background. Yeah. The bathroom is just off to the right here. Um it's either that or Rachel Maddow that's happening. <laughs> so at any given moment, it seems like. I dated, uh, I went, I, let me take that back. I went on a date with a girl in Indianapolis because uh, it's only like two hours from here, right? Hmm. 
When when was this? <clears throat> uh, this would have been it would have been before I met Ash. Way before I met Ash. Uh, probably 2012, maybe. Okay. And uh, she was just crazy. I and I like <laughs> I like a good crazy girl every now and then. <laughs> like, <laughs> crazy how? Just like crazy story. Like, um, she was one of those girls. I love people who live life, right? And uh, I can what's really i totally have the complex that kevin smith has that he describes when he tells the story about joey like how he never was going to be okay with the life that she lived prior to him like he was going to have you know what i mean like so i know these when i meet these girls i love them because they're like you know the relationship is like a bottle rocket it's just like you know just like up and gone (laughs) uh which is exactly how this was like just one date. Really? I drove out to Indianapolis. She did come out to Dayton one time. And I told her before she came out, I was like, listen, I really don't think this is going anywhere. I'm really sorry. If you come out here, two things are going to happen. We're going to use your truck to go buy some furniture in Ikea (laughs) because that's what I have planned for Saturday. Like I'm going to go, down to Ikea and get some furniture. So that's what I'm going to go do. Well, I I'll come. I was like, if you come, like we're, if I give you gas money, like, will you, can I get some furniture? She's like, yeah, that's fine. I was like, but again, I don't think this is going anywhere. So the only other thing that's going to happen is we're going to come back and turn on a movie and you're going to watch me put furniture together. <laughs> like, she's like, Hot. that's, <laughs> yeah. She's like, that's fine. That's fine. I'll come out there. It's like, okay. So she came out and we went to Ikea and we brought back all this furniture. And like, literally, I I mean, I did give her gas money. She didn't carry any of the stuff in the house. Like I carried all the boxes and everything in myself. Uh, And we turned on Big Fish. And while Big Fish was on, I put together furniture. And she like, but she was super crazy. But she was obsessed with Doctor Who. That was a really long, long walk for a short drink. Welcome new listeners. (laughs) Welcome new listeners. Uh that really was a long walk for a short drink. But no, uh she uh had there's something about tally marks. The bride probably knows what I'm gonna what I'm referring to. But there's something with tally marks, and it's about these things, and if you see them, you're supposed to keep track of how many times you see them because I don't know, there's something associated with that. So she drove this S10 pickup. That's one of the reasons why I was cool with seeing her was because I used to have an S10 pickup. So she drove an S10 pickup and it had chalk tally marks all over the cab, all over the inside of the cab where she's like, yeah, when you see these things, you're supposed to keep tally marks. And it's a doctor. It's a doctor who thing. You wouldn't get it. And so then I told her about how I could never watch the show because there's episodes that are missing. And she's like, well, if you started with like the 2005 series and just picked up there, you should be okay. I'm just like, there's like seven <laughs> doctors before that. Are you serious? What do you mean? I could just pick up in 2005. I can't do that. Uh, my pink guy. Yes. What? Now, like how long weeping. have you had been it's like weeping? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you can't watch Doctor Who. Because <laughs> I can't watch Doctor Who, I feel like a, a Bond, vi- the Bond villain. But like my my really the villainy is that I can't appreciate Doctor Who. 
<laughs> no, Dr. Bond, Mr. Bond. Uh, no, I. so I get this problem where I get really bad eye boogers, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'll go to rub them, and I'll inadvertently scratch my eye and not realize it. Oh. And then I think something's in my eye, so then I irritate it even worse, and so then it looks like I have pink eye. I do not have pink eye. This just, I swear I don't have pink eye. <laughs> Unless Ash farted that, on my pillow. She might yeah. have. <laughs> is that really the only way you can get pink eye? Is some kind of contact with fecal matter or dust? Or, and now, and then the only reason I know, I might know this is because it's on another, it's on uh, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force episode. <laughs> okay. It's from Raw Chicken and burning styrofoam according to that episode like <laughs> like a reliable let, let me let me do it hang on let me like dear <laughs> you what is it called get conjunctivitis right oh i don't know yeah you know what it's really called can you get check that too learning from the yeah. internet from <laughs> your eyes do look a little different you got like a forest whitaker thing going <laughs> oh man <laughs> Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I love that guy. Fucking, he's in blood sport. <laughs> Good morning, Vietnam. Color of money, all kinds uh, of things. And now he's everywhere as well. But <laughs> Forrest Whitaker. He's fucking ninja dog. Or Oh, yeah, ghost dog. Ghost dog. <laughs> One of the box arts that's burned into my brain. I made fun of so many people for renting. This is prior to me knowing about Jim Jarmusch and Dead Man and like all that stuff. I made fun of so many people for renting Ghost Dog. <laughs> and then I hey, watched Ghost Dog and was like, this is a great fucking movie. <laughs> oh, it's so good. What'd you find about the pink guy? It does not look like it. Oh. It does. Wait, what? <laughs> it doesn't, it, doesn't look, it like... doesn't look like that you can get it from. Uh... Oh, any, of the, any yeah. other way? How, <laughs> no. Let me just do that. How can you get pink eye? I don't have pink eye. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> It's not shit bullshit. in my eye. It's that is bullshit on my eye. That is not bullshit in my eye. I scratched my eye. Uh, let's see here. Pink eye. Infection caused by bacteria, viruses or bacteria, which is not in my eye. Um... Let's see here. Viral pink eye. Jesus, how is how hard is this? <laughs> one of the one of the questions in the Google People Ask page, how do you get pink eye fart? What? Fart? <laughs> The myth that farting on pillows can cause pink eye is not true. Most pink eye can be a result of poor hygiene. That also is not true. That's also true. That's also true. <laughs> I'm wearing Kyle Gas sweats right now. You are? Red fucking sweats, man. Oh, my God. Bro, Yo, yes. Red sweats. 
That's so magnificent. You got to tell me where you're going to do that. I have that pair of red sweats still, <laughs> and I do wear them consistently. Yeah. I, bought, public, I just the bought these. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to buy red sweats. I need, I needed new sweats like a month ago. And then <laughs> we, uh, Wally World, because they're only, their sweats are less than $5. I, Jesus. I need to get like one of the reasons I still wear and have those uh, red sweatpants is because they're like literally the old fashioned. They don't really have any styling to them, which is somehow more yeah. comfortable to me than a lot of the. And the uh, I used to know. hate these these sweats because of the elastic at the weight at the ankles. That's yeah. Yeah. That to me is what makes them look like little kid sweats. Is that exactly <laughs> they have the elastic at the ankles. Uh, but these, I was really excited. And so I got a, a gray pair, a dark gray pair and a black pair. And then I go for the red pair and Ash is like, really? I'm like, oh yeah, that's happening. Yes. <laughs> so, oh, that's great. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was looking, I was looking for Forrest Whitaker quotes from Rogue One so I could do. I know when you were looking for it, that's when I see it the most when you're, when you were looking up stuff for the internet. So I was going to look something up and like, can you just say <laughs> X? <laughs> Come my child. Come. Not bad. Come. Oh, Come my child. <laughs> now from Bloodsport, can you just say you want to shit sparks? <laughs> <laughs> that's not it <laughs> i didn't know what it so he threatens uh that had he threatens long jackson with a stun gun and he says you want to shit sparks you just stay unless you want to shit sparks you just stay put all right and uh when i was a kid i had no idea because he says it quickly and i always thought he was like you want to shit fuck <laughs> you want to shit fuck i don't know <laughs> i was the kid <laughs> oh man <laughs> Which that's another line from another. This, oh, so this is one. Here's a stretch to the. Uh, I think this is late '80s, maybe early '90s. Blind Fury with Rutger Hauer. You ever see that movie? Oh, I I only have a vague notion of what it is, but I've always been curious about it. They had there are bad. Oh, okay. So Rutger Hauer. It's a total Rambo like kind of take on Rambo almost, where he's like a you know a um a veteran who is like coming into this town that's under control of some redneck and he happens to be blind. Um, and he has like a, a staff with him, you know, like a, a walking stick. Yeah. They, and he knows Kung Fu, like Rucker Howard yes. does Kung Fu and like cleans up this town as a blind man. And he has a sword hidden inside that walking stick. So it just looks like oh. a normal stick, but it's this awesome sword too called blind fury but I'm pretty sure it's Blind Fury. In that movie, there are two henchmen in the in this elevator, and he shuts the elevator down and traps them inside of it. And the one, so the camera shot is looking down, or I'm sorry, looking up from the floor, and the two henchmen are like on either side of the frame. And you can see the grid work of the roof of the elevator. Am I painting a picture here? Yeah, pretty okay. good, actually. All right. <laughs> um, 
So that's the frame. And there's these two henchmen there. And they're the normal, stereotypical, like, action movie henchmen. Like, idiots, right? Like, <laughs> you know. And the first one goes... Like the all the electricity, the elevator stops and the and it goes dark, you know, a little bit, and it's like the, the this guy's like we stopped, and the the other guy's like shit, and then this hit henchman's like fuck, and they look at each other and they both at the same time go shit fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's magic. You just sold me on that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta. Well, I'll, I'll look off the air, but I gotta find that now. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of movies from that that time, action movies too, because there's a real uh, uptick in like Blu-rays from special features and stuff from that time. Actually, let's before I tell you more about that, let's crack a a beer. Oh yeah. What do you got? Um, I, in honor of our, our observance of, I don't know, of St. Patrick's Day coming up, I, I got some Guinness. Awesome. So I'm excited to drink that. I and have you, a... Yeah, I have a, got there. I'm pretty sure this is a flat... This is going to be flat. That's why I'm drinking it. I bought it last weekend, and it... Um, expecting to party more than I was going to... Than I actually ended up partying. So I only drank, like, one beer out of it. But it's a really good beer. It's... um. Sweet Baby Java. So, have you ever had uh, Sweet Baby Jesus before? No, both great names though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Sweet Baby Jesus is a peanut butter chocolate porter. Whoa, that and seems like a good idea. Sweet Baby Java is that is that beer then steeped with espresso beans. Ooh, and so God. that's that's what's in here is Sweet Baby Java, and it like so. There's this bar in Dayton called DK Effect. Shout out to DK Effect. Um, <laughs> that you, it, when you get a beer, they give you a, um, a tray of tokens, and the bar is full of arcade games. And so you oh, can drink beer and play arcade games. And then they have it almost down to a science where, like, you have just for um, an average player, you have barely enough tokens. I had barely enough tokens to get through my beer. Like I, but somebody who just is going to burn through, they would like still have a third of a beer left and out of tokens. And then you're like, oh, I need more tokens because I want to play. So you're going to pile through. You're just going to pound beer. Like you're just going to be like, <laughs> let's finish this one so I get another token, you know? Oh, another yes. <laughs> thing, token. And so, um, and of course, the margin's better on the beer, probably even than the arcade games. So, uh, so I went, I, I had this beer there the first time I went and it was awesome. They had it on draft. And so I went back the next week and got a, a growler of it. And now that's what I'm finishing off. So we, I, I'm going to try to crack this and hopefully yeah. a sound will come out of it, uh, but we'll see. So, okay. Uh, you ready? I'm ready. On three and three. Oh, I got Ooh. a little something there. Yeah, you did. Oh man, it smells smells awesome. She said, "Hey, that does not smell awesome right now." By the way, <laughs> hey, also hey, wait, you're talking about your beer doesn't smell awesome or your balls? <laughs> my, my balls. <laughs> oh yeah. When do oh, balls smell awesome beautiful. though? Like, let's. I mean, 
best case scenario immediately out of the shower <laughs> probably not but oh, even just, oh that, that is so, so i'll just hold it up while yeah. i talk till it settles let's talk more about balls <laughs> man how inconvenient are they right <laughs> let's take the most sensitive part of your body and just dangle it out in a in, in, in a useless bag of skin <laughs> Oh, that's I saw when I saw that comedian Michelle Wolf. She had a funny bit about balls, and it ha- there's something like a useless bag of skin is a punchline. Really? All right, I'm gonna have one. So sorry, <laughs> I'm just holding that up for our cheers. Oh, cheers! Oh, oh, that's good, delicious. Oh, the Nestle uh, bubbles. Yes, that's awesome. Guinness was my very first beer I ever drank. So to me, it was what beer was supposed to taste like. I think there's whole countries that would agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I like other kinds of beer and stuff too. I was just thinking about it as I was unloading these into the fridge the other night. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, my first, my first beer, my first Guinness, I was turning 21. This is so, and I started to laugh to myself because I'm like, this is so stupid. Uh, my first beer, first Guinness, 21, it was at Bennigan's and Fairlawn. Oh, shit. <laughs> With Jacko and some other people, uh, it was—it's just like so ridiculous. The I—that's I, what I thought to do. Like it wasn't in like some cool bar or anything like that. It was like a the, a chain Irish quote Irish unquote restaurant. <laughs> and I was like, "What sounds like a cool beer to have?" And that's what I had. So Benikins <laughs> even know. exist anymore? I don't know. I—I I feel like no. I haven't seen one in ages. Um, yeah, that's outrageous. I don't. That's so awesome. I might have been there that night. That's all. I think of, that's very. That's very pr- probable. Yeah, that scenario all sounds. What year would that have been? Uh, bath. Uh, <laughs> oh wait, so it would be two thousand. The year two thousand, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would. I'm right? sure I would have been there then. Let me double check that. <laughs> That would have for sure been. Yeah, that's we were all around that area still. Uh, two thousand. It's nineteen seventy nine. Twenty one. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So many sad things about that. That's so awesome. (laughs) Oh man. I fuck up my age a lot. (laughs) I was born in nineteen seventy nine, but it's like you know July, so. And then I would round, I don't know, and then one year I forgot and I f- skipped a whole year, or I didn't skip a year. It was a, it is a problem, so. Are you, <laughs> really? That is, um, that is epic. You want me to teach you a trick? Yes. This, this is a math teacher. <laughs> yeah. Don't think of 79, think of 80. Yeah. Like, always yeah. do the math from 80 and take one away. Because that's, I, I was born in 80, so I always get to just. I take the year that we're in right now and add 20 to it, and that's my age. Yeah. I, okay. That that should help. I was just, when you're like, take one away, I thought of that Tenacious D thing. You were like, take take the chicken nuggets and throw one away. Or I think it was, <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it was oh, just no, the you, same inflection. You wouldn't take one away. You'd add it. Shit. I am fucked up. No, you'd add it. Oh, this is how I get into trouble. Because you want to get one older because you're going to be. You're going to turn 39 this year, right? Yeah, yeah. Oof. Shit, and I'm going to turn 38 
this year. Fuck. <laughs> I feel like I'm 50 and I had a midlife crisis eight months ago. That's what I feel like. Crises can happen at any time. Yeah. How, how are how are you feeling <laughs> right now? <laughs> I like I'm 50, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I feel fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Everything's fine. Uh no. Actually, I just did a biometric screening for work. Oh yeah. Um all the I like one of those right by me too. I, yeah. I did mine in November and I have yet to really look at it. I um I I own like I know all the obvious ones. I'm obese. Shocker. Um, my blood pressure was high. That was the first time that's happened. So that was kind of scary. Oh, yeah. You don't want that. Um, but everything else, my cholesterol, my glucose, I did a fast fasting one, you know, blood yeah, work and yeah. my glucose was all good. Um, so shit. That's all. I, I mean, I guess that's proof that I'm not like 50, right? I have. Yeah. I still have I'm good numbers. Probably... I just need. Like it's just a sign that I need off, to keep it sounds doing like <laughs> what I'm Cause... doing. So. Yeah. I'm looking at mine now. I know my cholesterol's high. I have I think my blood pressure is relatively okay, but it's always a little higher when I'm in getting it checked. So sometimes they'll check it twice and it'll be lower the second time. Yeah. Yeah. I call it white coat syndrome. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like you get nervous. But yeah, my cholesterol's not great. What I'm I have set this out so that I could check it against the screening i had the year before because i spent a year trying to do better and uh i have yet to so i'm gonna put that i'm gonna put that right here in front of me next to the note to myself that i wrote during a recent episode which simply says dude stop drinking when you stop podcasting (laughs) (laughs) In in the hopes that i will follow both of those uh advice and uh, uh, it's all right next to this jack burton action figure <laughs> yes <laughs> well, i had jack it in the burton box but says... it fell out <laughs> yeah what the hell all right <laughs> yeah they want you to keep shit in a box so that it maintains its valuability do you know how much you have to baby that glue to keep it from breaking like yeah that's it well sort of yeah that's exactly what happened i, I someone gave me three figures from big trouble little china in this uh called reaction line of figures and yeah. it's all kinds of pop culture stuff the reaction logo looks a little bit i think like kenner maybe yeah. it, it looks it looks like something that i recognized from my childhood but these these little toys did not re, you know exist then and uh, i mean there's like pulp fiction ones there's all kinds of things i think they sell them at uh barnes and nobles and um, at this state, I mean, like as a kid, I always played with everything until it fell apart. And I even had, so I had like a bunch of different Lukes and stuff. Right. So, um, but as an adult, like I was not going to pl- play a big trouble in Little China. So, so I did not take them out of the packaging and I just kind of put them up in this uh, ledge. And one day I came home and the Jack Burton one had fallen down and it was just like, he was just like on the floor with it, <laughs> 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 it come completely out. Oh no, so. my resale integrity. <laughs> I know, but of course I had no intention of getting rid of that stuff. So I, I know I, I, I put no. the uh, gun in his hand and the little knife. It's kind of hilarious. <laughs> so you just said I didn't like. I'm a grown man. I'm not going to play with like <laughs> like big trouble little trying to action figures. You're like, look, he's got his knife and his gun. Like gravity yeah. pulled him out of that package. Now I'm going to play uh, with it. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm holding it now. So yeah, ha! <laughs> so he's, so he's looking around. Oh, and then he puts his arms down. Cause, who's that? Cause is the, the phone inspector that he plays, or whoever? When he comes in, he's oh, like, yeah. "I love that." Oh, that what is, is that character? What did he? Oh, I just shoot. I can't remember what he says his name is. I'm looking for a girl with green eyes. <laughs> oh. Price is no object. <laughs> oh. oh shit! Yeah. So I mean, I've, it's nothing new for this podcast but i've been uh you know i've been watching movies from that time period but a little bit more often recently so that's the same company i give a shout out to that's like from germany i I got some of their movies a couple from this guy called olivier gruner angel town and nemesis do you remember any of those from working at video stores maybe nemesis you would have heard of or seen the box art for there's a bunch of sequels Let let me type some of these in I'm not saying these are good, mind you. No. <laughs> it was, it was uh, he was a guy, he was a French uh, kickboxing champion that when, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme hit, they were, there was all these like new Van Dams and he was one of them. Yeah, I remember this box art. Um, yes. And Nemesis so that was, 3. Yep. <laughs> Actually, Nemesis 2 stars uh, Angelina Jolie. Really? <laughs> It was uh, late 80s, early 90s. No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Not Nemesis. Cyborg 2. Oh, yeah. It's like Cyborg 2 is like Jack Palance and (laughs) And, uh, Angelina Jolie. (laughs) (laughs) Jack Palance. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Look at her. That's (laughs) right. Holy shit. Yeah, that is right. Does it say what year it is where you're looking at? Um, I'm just on Google something? Google Images because I want to see the box art. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's Elias Codias might be in it. Uh, the guy that looked like De Niro and from the Prophecy and among other things. The board to the Glass Shadow, or just Glass Shadow. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, Jack Palance, Billy Drago, Billy Drago, <laughs> Elias Codias. Yes, yes, yeah. He's the 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 cop in in the prophecy. Oh yeah, yeah. He looks like a young De Niro, or he did when he was younger. No, there was no second war in heaven. Oh, so but but yeah, so I, I was thinking about I came across those movies, and that that company primarily made you know, uh, special edition stuff in Germany, like, like the cyborg director's cut, etc. Most of their movies star Jean-Claude Van Damme and a couple of them, Olivier Gruner. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm like, I could hear commentary about angel heart or nemesis. And so I'm like, eventually I, I got them. And, um, so I was watching that. And, uh, and when I was finding a lot of these things, there was, there was a bunch of stuff like in the works that, had not yet been released, including like the Cyborg Shout Factory, which I think comes out in April now. Uh, it was supposed to come out last year, but it kept getting delayed. But anyway, so there's this company called MVD. I'm not sure what it stands for, but they have this rewind collection. And one of their first releases is Black Eagle, one of Jean-Claude Van Damme's first couple of movies. Uh, he co-stars with Sho Kasugi. And look at the the art for this. They did kind of like that Stranger Things 
vibe where they have a like video stickers like be kind rewind got uh, it so it looks like a rental that kind of stuff yeah just the slip cover yeah and then it's got like all kinds of extras about the movie and stuff so that's I've been all you know down that rabbit hole <laughs> i am so for that kind of pandering that like yeah is just I, like, I got a kick out of it yeah absolutely <laughs> I mean, that's the. It's like you say. It's like people somewhere are like, "What? What? What did this guy buy?" And it's there. There must be enough of me <laughs> around for I, there to be an uptick in this kind listen, of Listen, recently in the last couple of weeks, I really feel like there is somebody calling the shots in popular culture, listening to this show. Like, <laughs> <laughs> say more about that. Well, the um. So they announced the Joker. They're going to do a Joker Origins movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Which <clears throat> is potentially the start of them rebooting the um, DC Cinematic Universe. Which oh, really? Did they say that? I or don't that just... know. Like, I have, I, I, I don't know. I, I might. I, I'm sure it's a simple Google search to answer that question. But um, I would, I would like that. Obviously, if they do, they should take your advice from I think episode three of this show, which is yeah, which was well, that's what I think. <laughs> that's what uh, so if they did what the Marvel Cinematic Universe did, where they tied all of the characters together in each of their movies, like they referenced each other in each of their movies, and all culminated into one movie where all of them were together. This is all a result of Suicide Squad and how that movie was just like plagued with reshoots because um because Batman versus Superman fucked everything like fucked Rogue One. I had a conversation with Steiner about how wrote like that screwed Rogue One where they went and reshot it to make it quote unquote like less dark because Batman versus Superman was so dark. Um, and then Suicide Squad was the same thing. And I was upset because it's like, that's all the worst villains in the DC universe. Like that, that should be dark. That what they just totally missed the point on was that Superman shouldn't be dark. Superman shouldn't break people's <laughs> necks. You know what I mean? Like he shouldn't, like he's Superman. That's why Batman exists is for that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Which they, they made Batman even darker than Batman should be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Batman's not supposed to kill people. Yeah, shoot guns, all this shit. And uh, and so they because they missed the mark on that. That scared Disney, and because I remember the buzz at the time for Rogue One was like, this is a dark Star Wars movie. Like, don't expect to feel good after this movie's done. You know. And then Batman versus Superman happened, and then oh, they're going back. The Disney execs are worried it's too dark, so they're resh they're doing reshoots. And then Suicide Squad, the same thing happened. They were worried it was too dark, so they're going to go back and do reshoots. And I, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, they f just fucked that movie. Luckily, Rogue One, in my opinion, not in Steiner's opinion, in my opinion, they were able to still come up with a pretty decent movie. Um, Suicide Squad, though, just really felt convoluted. It just really didn't feel like it went anywhere and wasn't execu executed well. 
And I feel that was because they gutted it. So if they did what Marvel did, but do it from well, the... Well, they also started in reverse in a way. Because like Marvel started by doing individual movies for people. Yes. Once they'd established them, and yes. you had, had like two hours of backstory, so-called, you, you could pay off with something like that in the Avengers. Where it was just like all action in the Avengers and no like... Yeah. Because you you care about these people from their own movies that they were already in. You can have two hours of just gods fighting each other, essentially, without people getting bored of it because they're invested from the other movies that you've created. The ones where you get to watch Pepper Potts and and Tony Stark like build their relationship over the course of three movies, you know. So then, in Avengers, when that when Tony Stark almost dies, like that's a big deal, you know, like you. But you, they didn't spend any exposition on making you care about Tony Stark in the Avengers because they already had three movies to pay that off, you know? Yeah, yeah. They so really it, built it from the ground up instead of like trying to start with the roof. <laughs> yeah. And so do that, but do it from the villain's perspective. And I and totally do it from the villain's perspective. Like hopefully um there's rumors that the guy that they got to play the Joker it's confirmed that he's going to be a failed eighties comic, like stand up comic. Uh, yes. Which yeah, a lot like of people, killing joke. which uh, that's what a lot of people assume is that they're going to probably borrow heavily from the killing joke um, for this. That is, I mean, it's just so smart to do it that way. And you're going to get people who really, if you can, if he can do a good Joker and really get you to care about the Joker, then when you hear the Joker's in a movie with like the Joker and like seven other somewhat decent villains, you're going to be like, yeah, but tell it from his perspective where like, I want you to really, if you know, if you're familiar with the killing joke, I don't want to, you know, I guess spoiler for a 30 year old comic. <laughs> uh, uh, literally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you know, he's a, he's a, a failed stand up comic who has a wife and a son and he to try to make ends meet decides to commit a crime under the guise of this urban like Gotham urban legend the red hood right is that right mm -hmm. yeah yeah and uh he's just supposed to wear the red hood that's it that's what he thinks um but in all reality he's there to be a decoy and ends up getting knocked into a vat of chemicals, which creates the Joker and his wife dies. Like he, like all that stuff, like all, it, all of those things culminate all at once. And it, 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 the argument is, is that every man has a breaking point and the Joker's trying to break commissioner Gordon and to prove to Batman because Batman holds commissioner Gordon up on this pedestal to prove that every man can break. And so, and he's doing that through reliving his story of how he broke, essentially. If you can pull that story off and get you to care about the Joker, imagine how much power they're going to have in the next movie they put the Joker in, you know? Um, and are they not, it's not Jared Leto? Is that confirmed? It's not Jared Leto. That is, that is kind of a disappointment. Uh, but everybody said his Joker was too weird. I don't know. I thought it was pretty I, good. I I, I, yeah, I mean, nothing's going to ever top Heath Ledger. Like, 
I, I just that that Joker is when well, you can't do it like that. I think is no, the main thing yeah, because all absolutely. of the Jokers that we've had that have been especially effective are are super unique and and every <clears> time it would it would come up that there would be a new Joker, the general sentiment was it could never be as good as you know Jack right. Nicholson or even once upon right. a time Cesar Romero or whatever. Um, Mark Hamill, of course, does one of the very best Jokers for a lot of people. Uh, myself included, and uh, yeah, uh, well, and and I feel like I said a lot of this on on number three, but just in case our episode number three. But if you haven't, uh, if you're familiar with the Killing Joke and haven't seen the Killing Joke animated movie, it's worth seeing if only to hear Mark Hamill do that storyline and Kevin uh, Conroy as as Batman, kind of the iconic yeah. uh, animated Batman. That Not, it wasn't as a, uh, satisfying as I'd hoped that movie would be, but. Yeah. Maybe this live action one or, or one that references that storyline will be better. I'm not very optimistic. I'm so sorry to say. Yeah. I just well, don't trust them much. I don't either. I, I, I don't. Well, I, it's just sad. They have such good. I comic wise always associated more to the DC side of comics. The, the Marvel comics always felt like bubble gum to me. Whereas like the DC comics, they could they were OK with going against the quote-unquote comic code you know like they're okay with having anti-heroes before it was a thing and and What's i funny like is i i think it's like when you and i would have been of age to come to comics i think dc was taking that cue from what marvel had been <laughs> yeah and maybe and maybe for a while marvel wasn't while dc was doing it uh but um yeah i've always considered myself the same it's a the bride didn't well i don't know i can't speak too much for her childhood but most of her affection for those types of things or characters come from you know the last so many years and she's forever just making fun of me that dc sucks <laughs> i'm just yeah. like i know it sucks or i used to try to defend it but then it's like i still haven't even seen justice league nor do i even want to no i had to just give up at a certain point lately with yeah. that maybe that's not the way to think about it but i and also i don't like that i don't know like it, what DC does have is a pretty cool like television universe and I yeah. haven't seen a lot of it, but I've heard great things and I have watched uh, at least one season of the flash, which is, uh, yeah, it's interesting because it, it does take, it does take that tone a little bit that a lot of like DC stuff would have had that, that was a little bit more lighthearted, I guess. Um, I don't know. It, it's pretty effective. So one of the things that I don't like then about the cinematic universe is that when they made the Justice League movie, like they willfully chose like to not make their television universe a part of the same thing. Like they got a new right. actor to play the Flash, and now to hear that they're doing that with the Joker after like what two years after having made um, Suicide Squad, uh, in which the Joker was like the main thing. <laughs> it's like ah. Well, oh, and Jared Leto was really upset because they cut a lot of his story out of Suicide Squad. Um, yeah, heard there was enough to like have a Joker have movie a Joker from movie. what was cut out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like, I want to see that movie. Why can't I see that movie um, and see that? Just do a direct video of that, you know? like Something or put that in the DVD or Blu-ray or stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like it, it, I do not like the fact that they kind of scoffed at their 
um, television universe by not bringing like their their Flash character, the guy that plays the Flash, onto the movie. And I don't understand that kind of thinking, man. It just is crazy. So it has to be rooted in business somewhere, but that's I think where they're like fucking it up and is. And I could understand too, like if something isn't working, they try to change it. But I just feel like they, I mean, you heard just being super reactionary and and then ultimately not very. They're just making poor decisions. Like they're just making the, I you know about the mustache fiasco that happened around that movie or no? What there's a mustache fiasco? There's I I don't know. Oh man, (laughs) I was really hoping you you would have heard of this. (laughs) Something with Henry Cavill. They had to bring him back for reshoots. Oh, okay. And like Superman has a mustache. <laughs> I vaguely heard of this. Mustache. I'm just trying to get the story. Like just a mustache? <laughs> Henry Cavill's mustache was digitally removed in Justice League. So, and it's laughably <laughs> bad. So they did not do a go- Oh, it is laughably bad. Oh, it looks terrible. Hang on. I got to see it. Yeah. So, God, I'm so glad I didn't see this movie. All right. So, click that link. This is the Google image page for it. Click that second link there. Uh, so, it's the second picture. That's what it looks like. No, it does not. Yes. That that's what it looks like in the movie. Be. That's what it looks like in the movie. That's absurd. So, you see how they're like, the, he has a butt chin on the end of his nose. Yeah, I guess he kind of has that in real life, but that does not look all right. That no. looks weird. It looks like uh. So what had oh, happened no. was he was shooting another movie, and his character in that movie had facial hair, and Warner Brothers was going to have to pay some exorbitant amount of money if they made him shave his face because it would have caused Jeez. it would have delayed their shooting of the other movie. Right. Yeah. So somewhere along the line, they decided it was cheaper to just CG it. I CGI it off. So they, he came back, shot all his reshoots with the facial hair, and then they CG'd it off his face. Oh Lord. I mean, that's just stupid fucking decisions, right? Like, I mean, I guess what are you going to do? But it seems like you've already wasted enough goddamn money on that movie. Waste however much more it takes to just let him shave. Or some, yeah, that's true. Yeah. God, what the fuck? <laughs> I was yeah. clicking through the, if you click on that image, like, I don't know, in a new window, there's a few few down the line. There's one in particular that looks much better. I wonder if that's like the Blu-ray or what, but oh, it's yeah. the same frame. I don't know, man. That, oh, yeah, bummer. that one does look better. That probably is the Blu-ray. You're right. But even that, though, it still looks puffy. It still looks like he has something. That still looks a little off, yeah. Yeah. So... It looks like somebody CG'd his upper lip. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah like, they're just it's like they're not I don't know. I don't know. It bums me out. So <laughs> I just would like so this Joker movie could be a chance to turn it around. There's a director attached, right? Or no? I can't remember. I feel like I've heard that and it's even someone notable. Um yeah, I don't know. I'll look up this one. Joker movie. Yeah, I don't director. I I just saw a blurb about I, I'm like you like at some point you just have to be like yep DC sucks 
you know? <laughs> I know. The movies have been bad. They have not been good. Um, I didn't find it initially. So, oh, Todd Phillips. Oh, uh, yeah. He's the director of, what, The Hangover, right? Yeah. That's kind of an interesting uh, it is. choice. <laughs> he also puts Martin himself Scorsese. in all of his movie. All of his Does movies. He? Oh. Yeah, he's... um. So he's in, have you seen Old School? Is it Old School, I think? Uh, I have seen Old School, just not for a while. Yeah. Well, you know how like he comes home early and you find like um, the, the Wilson brother that's in that comes home early and finds uh, his wife is hosting an orgy, at the, like unbeknownst to him. And the first guy that shows up, he's like, "Hi, I'm here for the orgy." Like, the, here's oh, the doorbell. Yeah. He like, he's <laughs> yeah. like, "Hi, I'm here for the orgy," and he's like, he's got like yeah. a little bit of a mini fro, and he looks like he's out of the '70s. That's Todd Phillips. <laughs> That's funny. In the Hangover, he's the guy like when they go to get on the elevator, who's like, there's like the really hot girl standing in the elevator when the doors open, and all of a sudden he comes up from out of frame, from the bottom of the frame where he had oh. been going down on her, like <laughs> in the elevator. And he's like, oh, excuse me, guys. Like, uh, yeah, that's Todd Phillips. I'm just realizing that the Variety article I was looking at was dated August of 2017, but I feel like I've heard that recently, so maybe he's still attached. Yeah, but uh, we'll I mean, that'd be it'd be nice if they can turn it around and maybe. You have to remember, like we got like this is the this is the same people that gave us like the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, you know, and. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that stuff was great. Right. So, yeah, we, we'll just take it with a grain of salt, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and then there was the the Tommy Wiseau thing you sent me, where he, he was. <laughs> that. <laughs> that's the other thing that made me think that people have been listening to us because they took. So <laughs> then they take Tommy Wiseau, and he does, he does basically Tommy Wiseau as the Joker, which. <laughs> With the makeup on, it actually plays as a fantastic Joker. In my, there opinion. were times, there were moments in that in that video that I was like, "Oh, that's like halfway good." And I figured when I first heard rumors of this, I thought for sure it was something like because I don't. Know, I just started following him on Twitter and stuff like that, so I don't really have a sense of like when he's kidding about stuff or if he's kidding ever. Right. <laughs> he's such a weird guy. But I figured it was sort of serious. But then when I saw that video, I'm like, this is obviously just an advertisement for the new movie he has with uh, with Greg Sestero, the My Best Friend or whatever. Right. Um, that's what I think anyway. It seemed like kind of a way to get press for, for that. Because <laughs> at some point, Sestero comes on and he pretends to be Batman. Yep. And it's, it's like, if if he were really going to audition for this, especially with the help of some other people and get get it placed in like Entertainment Weekly and stuff, he would probably not literally just ape the performance of uh, Heath Ledger. No, but so serious or not, though, is pretty is pretty funny to watch him say. Although, some of those lines. I mean, when you think in the room, he basically was lifting. Uh, Oh yeah, the one line from Rebel Without a Cause. Rebel Without a Cause, yeah. right? Like he he was obsessed yeah. with James Dean. <laughs> yeah. Uh so That'd be fun too if he's serious. Either way, it was an amusing no, video. I, I'm sure he was not. I mean, you ha- I, I have to assume nah. now that the a, a man that was smart enough to to take the lemons of lemons 
and turn it into what he's turned it into. There's a level. I mean, there is a, a, a large level, I would think, of intelligence there. Like, to try to, to just, just roll with that and, like, turn that around, you know? Like, there's, of course, a large amount of naivete, like the fact that the billboard stayed up for, like, five years. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's also genius in that, that that, like, stayed up for five years and, like, moved from Oscar hopes to these midnight showings are still happening of my movie because it's like, that's helping gain traction, you know? So I want to think that there's a Joker movie (laughs) that would get me there. But I also think, I also want to think that there's a sense of humor and like, I, 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 I'm assuming all of this is for fun. Like this is him just having a good time, you know? Yeah, I think so too. I am excited to see that new movie that I don't know when it'll come out more widely, but the one best friend, yeah, I think yeah. we talked about it on a recent episode. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm just excited. Well, I haven't I have not watched the room yet or seen the Disaster Artist. Oh or yeah, listened to the book. <laughs> but so, uh, it's weird between all the three of those things. I sort of it's the order I did it, so I don't know. But I also heard it otherwise recommended. Uh, so the book, uh, the Disaster Artist, which I listened to. And you could listen to as listeners a long walk oh, short yeah. drink. <laughs> if you go to yeah. audibletrial.com slash LWSD, you can get your free uh audiobook token with your first month's free subscription. So that's right, yeah. And you can um you could use this book, uh The Disaster Artist, uh by Greg Sestero and read by Greg Sestero, uh, who is uh part of the production team and making the room he's in the room and he's Tommy was I was best friend and uh so I listened to that first and then I saw the room and um and then I saw the disaster artist and so that was kind of perfect for me uh, but I I'm, I I'm imagining any any combination of those things would be also satisfying the disaster artist has got to be coming out soon yeah on home video uh and I think all of that stuff if you want yeah uh Ash and I just moved into the 21st century and realized that we could rent all the Oscar movies on Amazon prime. So we, uh, (laughs) we watched lady bird this past weekend. So I'm sure the disaster artist is on there. Oh yeah. Let's see. It is listed on Amazon in stock. Oh, can you get this now? I want this. (laughs) I want there to be extra stuff on it. Is there extra stuff on it? I'm not seeing any. Huh. That would suck. Anyway. Um, There's one downside to digitally renting stuff. Is it super convenient and a little bit, you know, and cheap, but it you don't get any bonus features. You just get the movie. Oh, shit. There is extra stuff. There's a gag reel. Thank God. Yeah. Laugh out loud audio commentary with director, actor, James Franco, actor, Dave Franco, actor, Tommy Wiseau, actor, Greg Sestero, Sestero and more. Wow. Oh, oh wow, hi, Mark. Mark. Yeah, oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Making a disaster feature, directing a disaster feature, just a guy leaning on a wall, getting to know Tommy featurette. Uh, oh, my God, yes. This is out now? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised, you, order I'm surprised you haven't ordered it already. Oh, you know what? It came out yesterday. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> this is so exciting. <laughs> I can't uh, wait. I saw... Um, I think Thor Ragnarok came out recently too, maybe yesterday. 
Oh yeah, H- have you seen that yet? Oh yeah, that movie's fantastic. Yeah, that's so fun. <laughs> it's like incredibly, incredibly entertaining. Uh, super, super fun. We saw, so we watched Lady Bird at home this past weekend, and then but we also went and saw Black Panther in the theater. Oh Another, wow! Like thoroughly, Two wildly different movies. <laughs> yeah. Another like thoroughly entertaining comic book movie. Um, just yeah, super super good. Uh, the guy the guy from Get Out was amazing in it. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot he was in it. <laughs> yeah, super good. So hey, and we're up to three viewers. Thanks for watching. Oh, our cool. three viewers. Hello, hello. We were, we stayed at zero for like the longest time, and then it was like in the last ten minutes we popped up to three. So. The magic hour of yeah eight o'clock central nine o'clock. I, well, I got to think too, like if because we were getting pretty good about having regular like three to five viewers during our live streams, you know, uh, and to the point that I noticed that we had gone so long without anybody watching, and I'm like, oh, that's weird that we didn't, and I realized that we didn't let people know that we changed our recording day to the oh we yeah we kind of switched weeks yeah so. Um, for those of you who, for when you hear this, and for those of you watching live, uh, we are now recording the same weeks that episodes launch to give Dave an extra week of time to get the edits done. So, which, how's that working out? Is that working out okay? I, I, I guess this pretty... will be the first one, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, this yeah. will be, but uh, yeah, I, I have to imagine that'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> um... <clears throat> So, but uh, yeah, welcome to our our live our live audience. Uh, absolutely, I was mid mid thought for something surely ridiculous and unimportant. So I'm gonna pour another Guinness. Oh, <laughs> I, I thought no. Now we're now we're that because I know why Thor Ragnarok was stuck in my head because so I'm still working on this is so terrible. I'm working on catching up on our show, right? Oh yes, yes, and I'm almost. I mean, I'm almost caught up. The, the Oscar episode is next. And then we have our WPL Murray anniversary, and then we'll be caught up, right? So, Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm almost caught up, but we um, that means the one of the last episodes that I finished was the best of 2017, and Boy was one of your movies that... Uh, oh, yeah, Boy, the movie Boy. The movie Boy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That the director of that is the guy who directed Thor Ragnarok. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. And we didn't piece that together. I don't know. Like in that conversation, I don't know if we even mentioned that. But uh, in addition to all of those other great movies that we've talked about, he also directed Thor Ragnarok, which is just in one of my favorite uh, Marvel movies in this current Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's so good. Yeah. I was hearing some. I wish I could remember who it was talking about it. I feel maybe like it, it's, it might be Chris Hardwick uh, on Nerdist podcast, which just recently changed to ID10T, the ID10T podcast. Um, but I think he was saying he felt because he talks to a lot of people in those movies and that make them and is how he was talking about it was that he thinks that they're so good because what they seem to be doing is hiring directors then and or and or writers and allowing them to make their like really tell a story that they want to tell they just happen to be using the characters in the cinematic marvel cinematic universe so you get a movie like it makes sense like if you watch thor ragnarok and boy 
in some of the movies that pumps that I should know and haven't watched uh, by that same director. Um, you can tell that comes from that guy. Like it, yeah. When, Cause I didn't know anything about Thor Ragnarok other than the preview looked kind of silly to me. Right. <laughs> but I, the movie had such an interesting and different tone than any of the other Marvel movies and was so funny. And, uh, and then between that and, uh, and then seeing, you know, Black Panther follow it. Um, I want to say it's Ryan Coogler, I think is the director of that. He's the director also of like um, Creed and Fruitvale Station. I, th- I think this is yeah. right. Uh, he he made a, a, a movie that had really like resonant sort of social, political undercurrents that were really satisfying. And um, again, it was like, is this real story coming from um someone with a point of view and uh sort of an established and proven point of view in other you know uh movies and then they kind of let that person do their thing with uh, like they give them the keys to the car uh, that is you know the i can't think of a famous uh marvel car <laughs> but uh, it's like the batmobile <laughs> but it's what oh, it would yeah. be nice for them to do with the dc universe i guess is to, is because that you get kind of this best of both worlds, like you get this kind of personal cinema, but you also get the you know the big popcorn movies. But also, I've heard that um, who's the head of Marvel? The uh, I'm thinking of Jeff Johns, and I think he's over at DC. Fuck. The head of Marvel or head of Marvel Cinematic Universe? Or- Marvel like studios. Um, Kevin Feige, I think, is his name. Um, so I keep saying like I've heard. That's the best I can source, people. It's a uh, I'm just pure conjecture here and hearsay. Oh yeah, but I, <laughs> Feige. Yeah. yeah. So I've I've heard that um he is the kind of like he's the the buck stops with him and like so there is a a constant you know and some it's not just like committee. Um, I'm sure some of that's involved, but I don't know. I think there's got to be some some parts of the recipe, which are why those mo- movies and the are, are time after time, you know, s- satisfying entertainment with usually just a little bit, a little bit of something extra, as opposed to being like abysmal, <laughs> you know, disappointments like the DC films have been. Ugh. Yeah. No, I took a positive and then ran it into a negative there, no. but, <laughs> but I think kudos that's... to Marvel, I should say. No, but I think that's what, in, and I, I wonder if Disney is really good about see you you're talking about Marvel and now I'm going to spin it into Disney. Yeah, I mean that's that's true. They are in um, bed together. <laughs> so Disney is really good about letting their small arms kind of run themselves but then cherry picking the best pieces of those arms and then pulling them into the larger umbrella and then spreading ah. them out other arms right yeah um you can see that it, it, now so this is all my theory in my opinion so we'll take it all with a grain of salt i guess um but my evidence for that is which one of our viewers is uh moto by the way who wanted to point out on top of the 10th anniversary of wplmr i don't think it can be stressed enough that in that episode that we showed that we showcased in episode 42 it was also the 10th anniversary of your first album. So, Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, cause he talks about, he says on the chat there that he was working on some dog days remasters. So, oh yeah. Um, For anyone who, 
who I did share the podcast again with my music mailing list, such as it still exists. And uh, yeah, I think most of the people on there came aboard during that time. And I've been, I've been wading through a lot of like, uh, you know, looking for diamonds in the rough, but it really, it's best I can hope for. I think is rubies. I was telling Moto recently, but uh, there's a lot of like, not so great things as I'm looking at the reality of say performances. I'm listening to all these performances, like on cassettes from like yeah. 2006 and seven, but I keep coming up with these new ideas of things that I can include in this like expansive sort of, you know, um, close the book on definitive, uh, I'm calling it a definitive digital edition, but there are going to be physical components, most of which are going to be leftover actual sort of artifacts from the time, but a lot of like handmade things. So I don't want to get too much into it, obviously, because it doesn't exist yet. But the one I thought of that I'm probably most excited about at the moment is I do this like bootleg series and uh, I'm going to do an installment of that that's like 2006 through seven or maybe eight cafe days. So it's all cafe shows when I was first starting and playing songs from this time. And want to cherry pick the performances and stuff so I can kind of make the best possible show that never was. Like, I'm not going to try to yeah. pass it off as one show. It'll be a composite. But uh, I'm going to then... So it'll exist digitally, but I'm also going to put it back onto the audio, the same type of audio cassettes, like Maxell cassettes that I used to record it on from my PA and have that be part of the physical component that you get with the big, like... I would call it a box set. <laughs> it'll come in a box but not like i'm not gonna get it <laughs> professionally you know like right it would cost so much money anyway right. so yes thank you yeah I've, i'm living in the land of, of dog days and uh and, and black eagle right now <laughs> That's so awesome. 2008 moto moto so thank you moto for yeah. working on that um this was something i meant to share with you when you sent me a text about that recently because this came in the mail oh. kickboxer retaliation shit this yeah. is the sequel to the... So they rebooted the Kickboxer franchise. Okay. And, and Van Damme is not the lead. He's like the master that trains the lead. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. And he wears like a like a little like kind of... They do the goldfish scene? The like... Isn't that uh, Kickboxer? Oh, where he's like underwater yeah. doing the contest? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I only watched that first one once, but I feel like they might have... <laughs> I thought there was a scene in Kickboxer, maybe it's Bloodsport, where he's like in front of a koi pond and he has to like reach into the koi pond and catch. Oh yes, that is Bloodsport. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, But like this movie has, they just loaded it up with guest stars. So like, there's a lot of MMA type guys, I think, but also Christopher Lambert, none other than the Highlander himself, is in there. Shit, (laughs) there can only Uh, be one. Exactly. Mike Tyson is in there. <laughs> Which uh, Highlander is another one of your like It is. I, I love the Highlander. And and not not just the Highlander. You were a bigger fan, I feel like, of the Highlander television show. Yes, yeah. The first Highlander movie is is genius, spectacular. Yeah. Uh Christopher Lambert's amazing. It's an original concept. The Kurgan villain uh played by blanket on his name clancy brown is amazing sean connery is in it as like the original islander that that sort of trains christopher lambert it's but and uh, that i mentioned the soundtrack is by queen it's, yeah but, no oh, that's it's, what is it's so fantastic. spectacular uh then beyond that the movies are fucking terrible yeah. oh but the last thing about the first one is written the whole thing is conceived by the guy that wrote and directed the prophecy it's one Fuck. of his 
few like kind of creations, but that's yeah. one of them. So wow. yeah, I love me some Highlander. The TV series though, starring Adrian Paul, is so, uh, quite good. <laughs> okay, uh, get so all fired back, to, up. back to Marvel. Let me let's, yeah. right, let's wrap up Marvel. <laughs> um. So back to Marvel. I finally picked up. No, like Moto's typing. Too, yeah. he's he's talking about the underwater shit. That he's <laughs> yeah, with just, the, uh, he's a can of worms there somehow. You just said moto, and then like somehow got through several JCVD properties to Highlander. Yeah, that's so fantastic. <laughs> um, but I feel like Disney. So Di- so Marvel, you can see how Disney looks at successful things, cherry picks those, and then brings them into the umbrella company to feed out into the other arms. I think Pixar is a great example of that where they kind of just let Pixar do their own thing and find their own success. And they did with the vengeance. And then slowly over time, if you look at the digital animation that Disney was Disney studios were doing alongside Pixar, like you couldn't hold a candle to it for the first, like so many years, they were apples and oranges. And then slowly with a couple really good, ones like tangled and then wreck it ralph was a is a good example of that like i look at wreck it ralph that is like a pixar movie that disney studio like i feel like that was the first one where they like nailed the pixar formula they were able to like kind of do what pixar did but do it in, in as disney studios and now they've been really successful with that you know at being able to to kind of model that digital animation style yeah. And so this Marvel thing that that grew, I don't think they had any idea when they let John Favreau make Iron Man. I don't think they had any idea what they were getting into. Like I don't think yeah. they they saw the Marvel Cinematic Universe that as it exists now then. I think they wanted to get there. I think they knew it could get there. But they just saw John Favreau who wanted to make Iron Man and they had, they own this property. So yeah, go ahead, make Iron Man. <laughs> and then it became a huge thing um, to the point that they wanted, they got so formulaic with it that they pushed Favreau out of that whole Marvel cinematic universe. You know, like he didn't like, he got tired of doing what they, the same thing over and over again. They didn't want to grow because they were fine tuning that formula. And so you can't go, when you're doing that, you can't go too far out of it when you're trying to make sure the formula works, right? Right, right. He did the first two, is that right, or just uh, the first one? I don't know if he got the third. I may, He might have quit during the third one, actually. Because I know the third one is Shane Black. Who, oh, yes, uh, that's right. Who, you know, he created Lethal Weapon. Um, right. He wrote Lethal Weapon, I mean. Right. Uh, and uh, and the then he did a movie. definitely John Favreau did. Yeah, and number three does feel... It feels a little bit like a. Sh- it does feel like Shane Black, and that's like one of those yep. things where they're they're movies that. It's pretty cool that that can, so they can be both. Now you can hear that in because Lucasfilm was very. It's George Lucas that is the creative force that we have in Lucasfilm. He drives. He drove all of their creative force. I feel like, um, everything. Of course, I, that's and I don't mean to belittle the thousands of people that work at Lucasfilm. He was like the 
I don't know, the visionary, the Steve Jobs of Lucasfilm, right? Yeah, um, I mean, it's called Lucasfilm. It's called Lucasfilm. <laughs> yeah. um, and so then when they got pulled in, into this Disney arm, now they've started to do this where like, they're like J.J. Abrams, make the Star Wars movie you would make. Um, you know, Ryan Johnson, can you make a Star Wars movie that you would want to make that would fit in the, oh, we really like what you did there. Here, just make a, tri- a new trilogy, your own new trilogy. And what would you do with that? And they're like, I feel like a couple times they've Lucasfilm has had to reel it back in. Um, like the solo movie is a great example of that where um, their director, the directors that they had, the there were two young guys just weren't hitting the tone of a star Wars movie. It was too much their style and not enough Lucasfilm style. So again, they saw they were going too far out of the formula and needed to pull it back in. So they brought in, Opie to toe the line and finish the movie out, you know. Ron Howard. Yeah. Uh, I only said Opie because that came to mind first. I wasn't trying to be a jerk. No, it's funny. No, it's funny. Uh, I mean, uh, but um, so I and I see and you can see that where that I I feel like that Marvel that because they were willing to take risks early on in that Marvel Cinematic Universe because. Disney had enough money to say, let's just see what happens here. You know, um, that is one, I, one good thing where I feel like that can come out of Disney owning so much in Hollywood now, um, is because they have enough money. Like they could, they could put out 15 bombs and if they get one good, like, I mean, you know, uh, black Panther just made up for any shitty, take at the box office disney had over the last two years right like yeah so um uh, i think uh it's really smart what they're doing and it and it and it, it really is changing hollywood in some ways for the better i mean you got to look at it's not just critic reviews i think that's where i'm start i'm starting to lean where I, I feel like that is one way that I can get back to just enjoying movies is like, don't look at it. You you can't deny box office grosses, right? It's really, yeah. You, yeah. Like, that's people voting with their feet, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't, you, you can't fact, you can't discount that. Like who cares if it's, <laughs> if it's not going to bring home a major award or, like you get on and you look at the critic reviews and the critic reviews are really good. The user reviews are really good. And you just look at the box office and it, it doesn't matter art, like what somebody might call that artistically as a movie. Millions of people were entertained by Black Panther. Like Black Panther is never going to like, I don't think it's going to win a ma- any major awards, you know, like quote unquote major awards. But millions of people have been entertained by that movie. I, as a director, how could you ask for anything else? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I millions of people saw my work and were entertained by it. You know, yeah. so. And it's really, think, it's really hard to discredit that. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking now. You know, I feel very fortunate the way that I watch things uh, is. I, I it just so happens to have developed outside of that idea of trying to find I look to the gatekeepers to make sure like I'm picking something that would be worthwhile in my time because generally right. 
I've, I've, from when I was a kid, watching things based on who was in it to watching things based on who made it, my interest was always kind of started there. I don't know. I mean, I guess you always want something to be good or you want to enjoy it. So I can say that, like, I can enjoy things that I don't think are good. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I get uh, something sort of kind of, I get something different um, out of it. But I think that's probably, that probably helps me a lot because I don't. I, I I don't I literally don't even know the last review I, I looked at just because right. at a certain point I didn't like that I think we've talked about it on the show where I'd read a bad review like 20 years ago of something of a movie that I liked and then suddenly uh, the things in the review that they mentioned I was like oh well I guess that's not so good and I was like well shit I liked this a few minutes ago yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's not like I'm a better person for realizing something in that movie that didn't work so well it's right. not like I'm you know so it's like I mean, yeah, it's a certain amount of blinders or ignoring something, but I don't feel like it's it, it's bad to ignore things that like hurt other people, but that only hurts me. To, like, right. Realize, like, right. That such and such doesn't work. So anyway, I've, I'm fortunate in that regard, and I'm probably more able to enjoy, give things the benefit of the doubt. I think kind of, I am sort of cynical about some stuff. It depends. But for the most part, I... I'm able, thankfully, to enjoy most stuff. Like, the bride and I watched uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. I had zero interest in this movie, but she'd mentioned it a couple <laughs> times. And I think you and I had been texting. You and I texted that day yeah. about what movie? It was a science fiction movie. And then it came two science fiction movies that I'd kept her from, <laughs> from my resistance to them. Well, the older one was Deus Machina, I think. Oh, Deus Ex Machina right? and Annihilation. Both, Annihilation, yes, yes. Both directed yes. by the the same guy who is also the guy that worked with Danny Boyle. On He worked with him on 28 Days Later. He worked with him on 28 Weeks Ooh. Later. He worked with him on Sunshine. He See, wrote, that, he that wrote Sunshine. <laughs> um, ah. And then Deus Ex Machina was his directorial debut, which I... There are... I know I'm a giant nerd. I'm not denying that, obviously. There <laughs> You're are, welcome here. <laughs> there are, yeah, there are a couple science fiction tropes, though, that if your movie is about this, I'm just going to watch it because I love both of these ideas in science fiction. One of them John is... John Van Damme's twins? <laughs> no, uh, one of them is time travel, which is why I constantly bring up Top Cop. <laughs> and... The other one is artificial intelligence because I love the philosophy behind like the, the, the moral implications behind artificial intelligence and what that might mean. And Ah. uh, Ex Machina explores just, it's about artificial intelligence. Um, It's a, and it's this really intimate cast. So it's the, I don't know anybody. I I should just bring it up on IMDb because I have it here. But I, I'll tell you the people as I'm looking it up. So the redheaded guy from the new Star Wars trilogy, the one that oh the Weasley uh, kid, yeah, him. <laughs> I don't know which Weasley, <laughs> Fred? No. no, he's Older not a Weasley. He he's an older Weasley. He's like a Bill yeah. Weasley, I think. 
That sounds right. Yeah. Um, he marries the French Dom, girl, right? Uh, Dom Hall Gleason <laughs> is his name. Yes, yeah. he does marry no, the French No, let's talk girl. about him in this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that kid. And then the X-Wing pi- uh, uh, Poe. Oh, sure. Him? He He's in it. Oscar Isaacson? I, Oscar Isaac. Just Isaac. I, Isaac, sorry. Yeah. I like starting this way. <laughs> and then <laughs> the woman is Alicia Vikander, the... Um, oh. You know who I'm talking about? No. Is this, does she, she was in a... uh, The Danish Girl, uh, The Man from Uncle. Let me see what else she was in. Oh, I, I think she might have played... Did she play Sarah Connor or did the lady from... Oh, that was Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones woman played Sarah Connor. Yeah. Um, those are probably <laughs> the ones that you would know. The Danish girl, maybe. So I probably know her to see her, maybe. Oh, she plays the new Laura Croft in Tomb the Tomb Raider reboot oh. that's getting ready to come out. Oh, she's cute. Yeah, <laughs> I've only seen previews for that, but I I don't think I have seen her in anything. Yeah, but not the actual movie. Okay, so this movie takes place in the not so distant future. I'm not going to spoil this movie. I cannot spoil it because it's so fucking good. They're, they are essentially, there are other people in it, but they are essentially the three main characters. Okay. So Oscar Isaac plays the CEO of this big tech company who brings an intern, Dom Hill Gleason, to his private estate to help with a beta test. And the beta test turns out being a Turing test for an artificial intelligence that he's developed in the form of that Alicia Vikander person. Oh, okay. And so the whole point is to try to see if she can pass the Turing test, which do you know what a Turing test is? No, I was just about to ask. Um, So, uh, you know, the imitation game that with um that came out a couple years ago with Benjamin Cumberbach in it and uh Natalie <laughs> no. Portman is in that no, I know other but I didn't see it. Kara Knightley and Benjamin Cumberbach. Uh <laughs> that's how I have to say his name like that. I can't Beautiful. say it any other way. Uh Cumberbach. And uh he plays Turing who is the father of modern computing. And he developed oh. a test that if there was ever, because you find out in that movie, he got into computing because he, he had um, Asperger's or uh, he was autistic, but he was very antisocial. He did not like people. He didn't like being around people. So he wanted to invent a machine that he could talk to, like that would ultimately replicate his first love which was a a boy from when he, he was a teenager because he was a homosexual huh. and so he wanted to invent a machine that he could have conversations with like he had conversations with this young man that he fell in love with when he was a teenager ah i didn't know that and so he developed a test that it was a test that um if a if a machine was ever if, 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 if to pass this test, a machine had to fool a human being to the point that it did not know that what was giving the answers to these questions was a machine. And so they're cleverly designed um, questions that are worded in such a way that you need human like human reasoning to be able to decipher the question. So 
Uh, let me see if I can find an example of a Turing question. This reminds me of the test they give in uh, Blade Runner to see if people are replicants. I wonder if it's similar. Um, let me see here. Oh, okay. So here's a good example. If the sky is the sea, what does that make birds? And the, the point behind that question is, can a machine extend a metaphor? Um, another example would be like a man was looking at a puppy through a window it was cute what was cute the puppy or the window and be, oh you know what okay. i mean that that one i could follow yeah i could, I could answer <laughs> um, as a human <laughs> uh what is the beginning of everything what is the end of everything a human can focus on everything as a word and give the answers e and g could a machine do that uh so it's it's th that type of questioning. He developed this test, and this. So back to Ex Machina. That's what the whole point of the movie is to try to see if this AI passes that test. And hmm. it's this intimate. You don't know who. Oh man, is it good? It, it's fucking good. I wish Double D was on here because he would be selling this movie too. Uh, I, I'm I'm much more interested in it than I have ever been. <laughs> yeah. So that that's very helpful. Um, and so then Annihilation. So Ash and I went and saw that. That was one of those movies. Oh, that, I did. Yeah. Which one? Annihilation? Oh no, not Annihilation. Ex Machina. Oh, okay. So that came out in theaters, and I'm like, and I heard all the like this guy. It's the directorial debut of this guy. He worked with Danny Boyle, and I love Danny Boyle. Right. I love every. Everything Danny Boyle makes is fantastic. Um, even train spotting. Even uh, train spotting. Yeah. Especially train spotting. Like, or is that no, that, a movie? that's one timer for me though? I can't like oh. you know, like um, but it's it's so good. Uh I haven't seen the second one yet. I still need to see that I, second I watched one. it last year. I really I really enjoyed it. Um I don't think that'll be a one timer. Yeah. I mean it's not upsetting in the same way, I guess. No like babies falling from the ceiling or anything like that, or like rotting in cribs or anything. No, okay. not unless I mean at the worst they might flash to that or something, but I don't think they do. Okay. Um not, yeah. It took me years to forget that baby. Like oh years. <laughs> like oh god is that i'm having flashbacks just thinking about i don't know what it says baby. about me that it didn't trouble me as much oh. but it was okay. and it wasn't it wasn't even the crawling scene where it's like where he's like detoxing and it's on the ceiling it's this shot where they show it where it just like that whole scene i can replay it all right now in my head because he's talking about um he's talking about how he's because he's coming down from a nod and he said i don't know how long she had been screaming just that she was screaming and the apartment that they were in like the mom is freaking out and it cuts to this like really like sharp again looking up from the crib angle and you see the baby's like blue and it's obviously dead and they're all they were all on the nod so they're all yeah. like just coming on like in an arch around the crib all just kind of staring at it and 
while they're staring at this baby, they decide to shoot up again, like to calm the mom down. And they like will all walk out of the room. And that's when he's like, well, that's how we knew who the father of the baby was. Cause they show fun boy. Oh, yeah. Like it's like there. And then that sick boy. It, yeah. Sick fun boy. Crow. Oh, yeah. Oh, boys and crow. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. I'm glad to have an excuse to remember. Uh, that. <laughs> but then it shows that shot of him, like just sobbing, looking at this baby, you know? And like, so that whole scene just traumatized me every, every bit of that from the moment, like, the part of him like coming down because the movie's kind of a fairy tale up to that point. Like it's not really like like that's the turning point where all the st- bad stuff starts happening, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so you don't really know how like they're just doing drugs and like he swam in a toilet, you know, and they shot a dog <laughs> yeah. in the butt with a pellet gun <laughs> and like they stole a sex tape and some guy shit in a bed. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> so, uh, you're like, yeah, okay, like whatever. And then all of a sudden, boom, dead baby scene. And you're just like, and then all those bad things happen after that. Like, ugh, it's terrible. It's sad that that's me- somehow I'm just reminded of the, the movie and want to see it now, especially after watching the, the second yeah. one. I, I definitely recommend watching the second one. And every time I think about the stuff that Danny Boyle is being, I get pretty excited. Because not to mention like all the movies, I mean, we have mentioned a bunch of movies. Um, he made, uh, I think in 2012, uh, maybe a little earlier, he did a theatrical run of Frankenstein celebrating his 200th anniversary this year. Danny Boyle. Oh my God. And yeah, and it starred uh, Benedict, how do you say his name? Cumberbach. Benedict Cumberbach. <laughs> it starred him and sick boy actually uh johnny lee miller in alternating roles so one night uh cumberback would play the creature and oh my johnny God. lee miller would pay the play the the creator and then the next night they'd switch that's fantastic and it played in 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 uh in england and uh and then it got put into theaters like as a only on occasion type thing. I, uh, maybe it was once live. I'm not sure. I mean, it was definitely like a film theater performance. So perhaps once the first time it might've been live or first two times. Cause they captured both, um, both, you know, people playing the, the creature or, and or creator. And so I saw it one time in a theater and at the Cedar Lee theater, actually, when I was living up there and it was excellent. It was amazing. It was such a cool, like take on the whole thing. And they refused to, so far release it on home home video they want it to be a theatrical experience but uh i would yeah. go see that it's it was really cool i, I would I, go I see pretty... like did you get to see both versions did they shoot both versions i think they did shoot both versions and they would have different options on different nights yeah. and uh and it still plays i it's i've got to check cuz with it being the 200th anniversary of the publication of frankenstein there's been a lot of frankenstein stuff so I'm hoping they put it back. Even even since I've lived here in Minnesota, it's been here local in Minnesota. It's like kind of like that Fandango type, not Fandango, a Phantom of uh, F- Fathom, yeah, yeah, where it's like they'll they'll put stuff in theaters. But uh, so I think I I feel like we saw Cumber Cumberbatch Cumberbach Cumberbach Benjamin as Cumberbach the, as the creature. <laughs> I think it's Kevin Smith that says it Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of it that way. Uh, I love that guy. He's got such a good sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
such a good British sense of humor, I should say. Oh man, have you watched Sherlock ever? No, but I heard that is fucking magic. Like I heard it's good. Like, it is really great, and there's not that many of them. It's a TV series, but each episode is ninety minutes. So they're oh really? And so and they're pretty short series, as they yeah. call them. It's him and and uh, Martin Freeman. And it's, oh, it's great. I have like zero reason to like that too. I have no in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we watched it years ago and I was just like, wow, this is, it's so, so well done and, and fun and, and cool. I'll definitely recommend that. I'm sure it's on something you get. And it's the kind of thing too, you don't need to like binge watch or anything. Cause like I said, they're all right. a little bit like a standalone movie in some ways. Sure. So if ever you get the urge, it's, that's definitely worthwhile. That was like a modern retelling of the classic sherlock tales though right or were they yeah i th- I think so but also it doesn't i mean yeah it feels modern but not like super modern because of the british bbc vibe yeah. it's still got a kind of a classic feel to it but um, it's not like carriage not horses stuffy. right like they're no yeah and yeah. there's cell phones and stuff yeah. uh yeah they're, oh that's so good yeah i think they're I'm still making it out. yeah that's that's definitely I'm telling you though check out an ex machina like i i, I would love 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 to have double d ash you that would be a good one to do an episode on it's that it's oh, that yeah. impactful uh, honestly oh, cool. like so I'll, good I'll, I'll um, that. but then so then he also now his second movie he directed is this adaptation of this book called annihilation which has natalie portman in it who looks awesome god i love her I love yeah. her so much. <laughs> I like uh, I really like, uh, raising Arizona a little bit. Yeah. You like Ollie Hunter? Like I love her. I know so much. I just like she's got in that trailer. There's this shot of her where she just looks broken, and they're asking her these questions about like this this thing, this organism that is slowly devouring the earth and she's just broken from it and god damn i just want to hold her she's so I know that that impulse yeah she's so wonderfully like she's all so many things she's she can be so wonderfully vulnerable but also yeah. like super badass yeah or funny or sexy or oh, really whatever I'm she seems tra- to want to well, be i'm trying to, what's that movie with her that takes place in britain where she's like super slutty in it like sleazy oh in closer it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's like that movie, movie, like made me feel like it, like made me feel disgusting to be a human being. She was so good in that. Like, yeah, that's a kind of a tough movie. Yeah, it's funny that we're talking about her too in the context of these other like the sci-fi movies that I've been keeping the bride from <laughs> through my like general aversion to sci-fi. Um, that's just like saying like if I need an end to a movie to like for some reason to go out of my way like when you said that the guy from 28 days later was involved that's like my in (laughs) yeah um i mean that i mean i'll take a recommendation too but it's just like a kind of like you know you don't like musicals get you to watch a musical a little tough yes um even though there's probably musicals that you enjoy if you think about it hard enough (laughs) i don't know (laughs) for sure but i don't like science fiction as a selling point it has to be like good in spite of that for some yeah. reason for me i'm just surprised um, you do, do not know this guy alex garland is the director I, yeah i actually never that name didn't register for me but i i'm i'm interested now and uh yes she, it's so the natalie portman connection was when the bride and i first started dating when she was still living in minnesota and i was living in ohio um there was this movie theater within 
I was living in Kent in the apartment complex and I could walk to the movies in like five minutes. It was closer to me than it was when I lived a few blocks from the Cedar Lee Theater. And both times I went to so few fucking movies. So stupid. But um, V for Vendetta was out. And I was, I probably didn't have a strong enough desire to see it. She mentioned wanting to see it, I think maybe when she was out visiting and we didn't and i i mean i was just totally oblivious oblivious to the whole thing to yeah. when uh maybe i don't know how much longer or how, how long into the future like when it was on video i watched it and i was like oh i saw this amazing movie i was telling her and she's like you motherfucker yeah. <laughs> like i wanted to see that i think you pulled this story you before like have i yeah yeah so I can I can do that sometimes I guess or be influential about and the movies. I don't even see. consider that a science fiction movie. I I yeah I, I don't think I would either. Future. Like that yeah, like, that's really but it's, an ex- it's the first example I can think of of a movie that she wanted to see that yeah. I evidently shut her down. No no so. I totally get what you're. I mean I I I think everybody does that you know. Um. But man, V for Vendetta, that's a great one. That I know, and that's a like a potential Palmer's pick (laughs) that's what made me think of it too that um that toilet paper speech that he reads or that she reads in the cell like god man i oh i don't remember that well enough oh that's so good i I need to see it again i think we actually do own it uh yeah so i could watch it at any time (laughs) so so this is alex garland these are just some of the movies that he's he's wrote written written he wrote the beach well oh, he wrote the novel the beach oh i was gonna say like danny boyle made that yeah. Didn't he? yeah and then he wrote 28 days later he wrote sunshine he, like he was he the main writer of 28 days later yeah it says in his credits on like soul writer even now i'm really in <laughs> 28 days later writer alex garland soul writer oh Written by Alex Garland, directed by Danny Boyle. Another great one that he wrote, and I just recently found out that it was essentially, he essentially directed it, um, the Dread reboot, the Judge Dread reboot that came out. Oh, yeah. Both you and Twinkie have talked about that positively on this. In that movie, Jesus Christ, that movie is so fucking fantastic for an action movie. For you loving action movies, like, oh man, that should be what you watch. Like, you should just watch that. Whenever you're like the next thing you're gonna pop in or watch, that should be what you watch. Like, Whoa, okay. Even before Deus Machina. No, you should watch Ex Machina, not Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> Deus. Oh, it's Ex Machina. Machina. That phrase the, means God in the machine, right? Deus Machina. Deus Ex Machina. It means God in the machine. Yes. So the version, the the movie is really just kind of the machine in Latin. Right? Yeah, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Yeah, dread. But it, so it, it came. Come. It, the, this just got released in an interview, or I saw it blurb across recently. Uh, he wrote dread. He was on the set for dread, but essentially, Carl Urban confirmed that he the the production was so fucking crazy behind the scenes that Alex Garland basically stepped in and directed without getting credit for it dread whoa um but yeah jeez 
Never That's Let exciting. Me Go. What's the movie Never Let Me Go? Why doesn't that sound why does that sound familiar? That doesn't ring a bell for me either. Oh well. Um, anyways, like this guy, and he's one of those guys who he reminds me of Hemingway. He does not owe you. He needs to make this stuff. He needs to write. He needs to direct. He just needs, he needs to do those things to process his understanding of a topic. So he owes you no explanation. Like I've watched in like where he's done panels, like Comic-Con panels. Yeah. And people get up like, like the, Ex Machina is kind of an ambiguous ending. Kind of. It's not really, though. If you really think about it, it's not. But it is It, it is left to your... Some of it is left to your interpretation. And he's on this panel for Ex Machina. And like three like stereotypical Palmer-esque nerds like kind of drill him for did you mean this when this happens? Like not even necessarily about the ending, just like about stuff. Like when this happens, like, did you mean this? And finally he get like, he gets mad. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) he's like, I know I'm coming off as angry right now. And that's because I am a little angry. Like I don't owe you an egg. Like, what did it mean to you? Like what, what, what? And he kind of did the thing that like Daniel does in that same and almost in the same situation. In one of the Daniels did in an interview I watched for Swiss Army Man. Yeah. Where he's just like, I don't like, I don't care what, <laughs> like, if you felt something, like, whatever you felt, that's what it meant because that's what it meant to you, you know? And, uh, and, and he's just completely unapologetic, almost combative about, like, how dare you ask me to explain this? Like, you know, <laughs> nice. like, what like what do I, what the fuck do I owe you? Like, did you enjoy the movie? Then just let it be that, you know? Like, <laughs> I need to find this interview with him, because he gets <laughs> so pissed, like... I think I want to see them and like them first before he's, like, yeah. yelling at me about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly the tone. That's kind of what, like, you walk away, some interviews with him, you walk away where you're just, like, I mean, just look at look at his IMDb page. Look at his. It looks like a mugshot. I'm almost. Hang there. on, hang on, hang on. I got the link if you if that helps. Oh, I was just I was already looking. <laughs> oh, he looks like a dick. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I don't know. He looks like a Russian hitman in his Adidas <laughs> tracksuit. Like he does. <laughs> He's younger than I would have thought, or looks younger. 1970. Yeah. Well, I don't. We I guess we don't know when that picture was from, but so. <laughs> but I mean, uh, like, it just. <laughs> I'm serious though. Ex Machina was one of those movies where Ash and I had a piece of cake. Let's go see a movie. All right, what do you want to go see? And I'm like, so here's the deal, and I laid it out like. This is the first movie this guy directed. It happens to be about artificial intelligence, which is one of my favorite like topics in uh, science fiction. He's got that going for him, and he also worked with Danny Boyle on like two of my favorite Danny Boyle movies, 28 Days Later and Sunshine. She's like, 
what's it about and so i kind of late like i showed her the trailer she's like yeah we can go see that it was one of those ones like fight club like four days later she comes and i can't even say it because it'll spoil it and i don't want to spoil it but she comes and she like she's like can you believe that happened (laughs) <laughs> and i'm just like i know right and so like that's how i knew like th- this guy did something like he i don't want an explanation for from him like it's it's good it's just so good that's it's awesome. one of this like perfect like mesh of art and entertainment it is a great and and, and thought-provoking art and entertainment well, I have a. Uh, I'm given a day off on Friday, like just because. Yeah. And the bride and I have been trying to decide what to do. So, I don't know. This is in the running because I, I know she's interested in this movie. And I know she was interested in Annihilation because I've shut her down on both. <laughs> not. I'm you not. Should I, do, I, you should I'm do not an like Alex a Garland trilogy. You should do Dread. Oh yeah. Ex Machina, and then go see Annihilation, and I'll convince Ashton that we should go see Annihilation this weekend. I'll see. Ah, I'll see what I can do. We never seem to. Sometimes we have ambitions of watching more than one movie in a day, yeah, and it doesn't do seem too. to happen somehow. This but last I love that idea. was a fluke <laughs> that we got to see two movies in one weekend. So, yeah, we get it on a roll like that sometimes. That's really yeah. nice. And this weekend could be that. Though we're also going on Saturday night. Um, we have tickets to see uh, Glenn Hansard on St. Patrick's Day, actually. Nice. So to see an Irish singer-songwriter in a room full, like a, a really Irish singer-songwriter yeah. on St. Patrick's Day is likely to be uh, pretty interesting. That's um, going to be awesome. But yeah, he's always amazing. I, I will say, um, I listened to his latest album called Between Two Shores and was thoroughly underwhelmed. <laughs> which yeah. is, I'm usually like pretty, I can find like songs and stuff. But I was just like, oof. Nothing was really connecting. I mean, he's obviously a very talented guy, but I was like, ah, nothing's speaking to me here. But his catalog, I celebrate much of. So I'm, I'm very, very much looking forward to that show, even though it means leaving the house. <laughs> Don't you to, fucking uh, hate public. leaving the house? God, I hate leaving the house. Yeah, it's weird. It's like I do today. I had a choice in a way. I was like, I could probably work from home. But if I do that, I'm going to basically probably procrastinate more than I want to. I'm going to not maybe eat as well as I could just because of the stuff I'm able to get at work. I won't like get much of my exercise in like I normally do at work by just running around on purpose. So I kind of made myself leave the house. So sometimes I welcome that opportunity, but whenever we have like plans, I never want to go. <laughs> I'm always happy, ultimately, at least on some level that we did or while we're out or doing things. But it's always... And the bride's the same way. Oh, (laughs) that's not good. We're terrible. I know you don't watch This Is Us, but I know you can picture, I'm sure, some of the characters. Yeah. And uh, the one couple they were talking about, some kind of like they're getting married and whatnot. Spoilers, I guess. I don't need to watch a show about real life that's just going to make me feel like just ball my eyes out for an hour. So I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, you can obviously you, should, you need to make that call for yourself. But that show I think is is as heartwarming, if not more so, than it is like sad. But but this episode, this couple that is talking makes about me cry just as much as the sad stuff does, though the heartwarming stuff. But I is cry. it like a a good cry or is that who like, likes uh, crying? Do you like cry? Like I'm never I, like. 
I I like I like it if it's good, like or if it's like kind of. Uh, there's some ways I do like it. Some a lot of times, <laughs> unless I'm like <laughs> you really evil motherfucker. Well, no, it's like I like no, you know to have feelings. <laughs> It depends. Me? I mean, I don't like to cry for being angry or, or truly upset, but I yeah. like to cry at things. Like I feel good about that. I'm staring at the ex machina poster, which is killing me. Like, yeah, the, I know the body of this. Uh, <laughs> I gotta click off it. <laughs> but um, Isn't that just look. Okay, so what you just <laughs> experienced? Get ready for two hours of that. Oh my God! Why did you say so? <laughs> I would have been like, "I'm in." Thirty seconds into the no, pitch. that awkwardness where you're like, "I got to turn this off" because she looked like. All right, bring that poster oh. back up. Let's talk about that poster for a second. Oh no, I'm just like thinking like, is that any representation of the actress? And then it's like, well, it's probably just a poster thing, but who cares? It's hot. <laughs> it's like a robotic spine, and like so. No, it'll spoil. It'll be I'm looking spoiler. past that. It, like right. It, 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 <laughs> All of that, <laughs> there is a purpose for all of that. Just so you know. Oh, like, weird. Okay. <laughs> what was uh, I saying? Oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm especially interested in this ex machina now. So I think yeah. that'll happen sooner rather than later. Dread, though. You need to watch Dread. Dread. Like, we're about to get rid of our Netflix. We have the discs. We've had the discs for years yeah. and mostly only use them for TV shows. And we were finding that we just had stuff forever. And we weren't using it. And it's like, we could, with that money, get like Hulu or something. Right. We could watch stuff. So, uh, anyway. <laughs> I don't know why I mentioned that. Because I was thinking of getting it from Netflix. But I can get it from libraries, etc. I think, et cetera, you, I think you can watch it. I think it's on either Prime or Netflix. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, What was I? Oh, just to wrap up the going out in the world. So the couple, like, they're planning stuff for their wedding, like bachelor, bachelorette parties. And they're, and then at some point in the discussion, they're like, and then once we've done that, then we don't have to socialize for a whole nother year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we were like, yes, it's nice to hear that voice out loud. <laughs> wedding, wedding season is coming up, right? And like, we have eight. This is no shit. My wife is so social. We have eight invitations to weddings that in no joke are in at least five different states on our fridge right now. And I'm just like, this is horrific. I mean, like, (laughs) just God awful. It's from everywhere from Washington. Like, so all the, like, cake states, I'm all for it. Oh, there you go. Cake states. (laughs) I'm in. Like, congratulations. Uh... No, but uh, yeah, it's horrific. But I think about it where I'm just like, listen, we just got to get through the summer. And then it's a whole nother year before wedding season comes up. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, can you believe this? Look at all these weddings. I was like, yeah, wait until five years from now when all when half of them have been divorced in that time. And the next round of marriages all start up like. (laughs) You could skip more of those. I feel like there's an out there. Oh, yeah. The second ones you don't have to go to. (laughs) At all. So. um, Are there any segments you want to do before we go? No. Ash and I have been kind of of slugs for the last two weeks, so I really don't have any updates on action steps. I mean, I spent more time in the wood shop. That's like a... 
I, I I'm interested to I should reach out to some of my some of the people that I like on YouTube because I've noticed uh, I have started to notice that I could very easily just burn weekend after weekend just working on my shop like not actually making anything oh yeah like just, just like making my shop you know um double d's beautiful bride uh when i first built the wood shop just kind of floored me once with a question where she was just like i was talking about my wood shop because it was the year that i had built my workbenches and I was like, yeah, and these workbenches are just going to be so awesome. And and uh, and I had been working on them like over the summer, you know, and she's like, well, what are you going to make? And I'm like, well, I'm making workbenches. She's like, yeah, but what are you going to make after that? Like, it's not just and I was just kind of like, well, what do you mean? I'm working on my wood shop, you know, like, uh, but I need to I feel like I want to reach out because I have noticed now in some of the videos of people that I like a lot of their videos are just them working on their shop. It's not them actually. Really? They're, they're, like for every project video where it's them making a project, there's three of them making something for their shop, like a new tool or a new jig or a new way to organize their tools or a new storage unit. or. Um, and I'm wondering if that's like, I mean, I could see where like I could just burn all my time doing that. So but so I don't really have any big updates on action steps. Um, I listened to, I don't know if I mentioned this on the last episode, but I listened to what the, uh, um, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I'm not sure if you did. I, I was curious about that. I, I, I just heard, uh, they talked about that on Nerdist too. Yeah. Um, um the, I need to Chris go through Harder it again. It really, um, is, is good. It, I don't like the way, and I, and this is how I know it's good is cause I don't like the way that I feel after I am reflective on what it says, meaning I don't like what I see about myself. Things, you know, like, Oh yeah. Like it kind of hits home uh, yeah. on a lot of that's stuff. Good, but that's hard. Yeah. It's good, but it is want, like super right? hard. But like, so like, <laughs> I kind of coupled the two things where there was one day that I worked like all day in the wood shop with my ears in listening to um, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Cause it's only like a five hour long audio book. Right. Oh, yeah, which and, you can get uh, listeners of LWSD yeah. by going to audibletraw.com slash LWSD. Get the subtle art of not giving a fuck yeah. and feel bad like Palmer did. And uh, <laughs> and I and I fin- so I and I was doing a lot of things like I had ordered um, an action camera, like a, a GoPro camera. That oh, I was yeah, gonna, yeah. Like, you did uh, mention but, that. But like a, a, a knockoff one. So it was only like $40 for this kit, you know, of all this stuff. And it shoots really good video. It's awesome. So I was like shooting that while I was working in the wood shop, just to like do a test to see what kind of video it would shoot, you know. And working in the wood shop, listening to so I have all these action steps. Like I'm building the LWSD empire. I'm trying, like I'm working on expanding the empire. I'm working in the wood shop, and I'm listening to a self help book all while it's happening. And I do that for like four and a half hours. And it's all like it's done and I've made all this major progress everywhere. And because of how the like because of being reflective while listening to the book and like not liking myself, I was just like, man, fuck this. Fuck action. Like, I'm just like, that's how I felt. Like, I'm just like, I just felt bitter. And um, so 
I guess there's a little bit there, a little bit action step progress then. That that's interesting too, those two things you said, because in a way, like plowing through self help books, um I mean I, I I'm always in search of like quick fixes as I'm sure everyone is, but I used to always tr- I used to read so much stuff about like music business stuff or like sm- small entrepreneurial things for years. And, and, um, I think just in the same way, and, and now I do read certain self-help things as well, but like in the same way that you were talking about so much of the woodshop thing could be just building the shop. You can really, I find sometimes like can really spend your, you could spend all your time consuming self-help stuff without actually right. like implementing and, any of it because it's it is hard if to take that time it's like a drag that's what i yeah. mean like the one that i did last year the designing your life took me quite a while to get through because it's like a goddamn workbook right <laughs> but, and, and but, i mean and there's a lot of stuff that like you want to you want time so if you listen back to the best of 2017 episode when i talk about my goals and i say i want to read 12 self-help books I also talk about how those goals are kind of like there. I have them down on paper as something, but they're kind of like, I know I'm not going to hit all these. Like, I know I'm not going to. And I knew, I knew at the time the 12 self-help books for multiple reasons would be one of those ones that would be hard for me to get through 12 books. One of them just being, I'm not going to learn anything from any one of them. If I'm just rushing through it to get to the next one, you know, um, so I figure even if I can get through a good solid, you know, just a handful of them and really take good stuff that makes a difference, that's going to be way better than just plowing, just saying, yep, I checked 12, 12 self-help books off my list, my goal of goals for the year, you know? So, uh, but the, it was, a, it was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff in that. I want, I need to go back through now in the text version I have of it and just c- kind of pull out those nuggets that were good. Um, so there's that a yeah. little bit one at a time in uh, way that's probably extra hard when the last feeling you have about it was like kind of bad <laughs> like yeah it's like, oh i can't wait to like re-engage with this and, thing you know that made what? me feel <laughs> shitty because that was like two weeks not two weeks ago that was probably like a week ago not this past weekend but the weekend before that when that happened um and i haven't given any thought to looking back at that book because of how it made me feel other than how that book made me feel, you know, about these yeah, things. Yeah. So it's uh, a tough sell. <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> and it's not that the book is bad. Like I find all of that good. If I didn't feel any of those things, then it's just drivel, right? Like, like what is it? If, if I'm going to make improvement, there should be pain and growth. Hmm. Yeah. You know, in some, in some way. So yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it's kind of status quo. Right. Right. Um, I really don't have anything. I don't have a Palmer's, a major Palmer's pleasure. I don't have, did you, did you have any like shit the bride says or anything? I did pull that up because, uh, I was like thinking about our, our sketches and, uh, or, or whatever, our bits. And there are a couple that are like kind of relevant to things that have come today. So I could read those. Um, so, uh, shit the bride says from, and actually, so this is not really a spoiler. In Sherlock, the Cumber Benedict Cumberbach, Cumberbach <laughs> show, um, he describes Sherlock, even himself, Sherlock, as a high-functioning sociopath. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so, true. Yeah, and so the bride would joke sometimes about that, watching that show, uh, about whether or not she's a sociopath. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. 
I don't know how he got onto this, but anyway, so this is February 10th. Um, I am asking her about her short-lived aspirations to become an FBI profiler, which was a shock to me. As, and she said, it was either be a sociopath or hunt them. And then there's a pause. I'm still on the fence, if you must know. <laughs> and then she says, uh, <laughs> uh, and then, then I say, th- that went on for a minute and it was, I was laughing. And then there was other, she was just going on a tear, trying to make me laugh, I think. And then I'm, I say, you're saying crazy things. She goes, I'm not crazy. I'm a psychopath, but I'm not crazy. And then I say, I thought you said you were a sociopath. Are they the same thing? She says, a sociopath is someone with a personality disorder, or as I like to call it, differently personality. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another quick one. Um, The next day, February 11th, she goes... (laughs) quit picking your nose dude <laughs> we're driving i think and then i snap at her i'm like i'm having problems <laughs> and she goes hashtag marriage <laughs> oh my gosh we have a we have a booger picking joke in our family too what's that it's an ongoing thing it is an ongoing thing <laughs> where and it and it more times than not will happen in the car where I'll just be going to town. I, what is it about the car where you think you're in an invisible? I know, like, like in a cocoon or like, something. Where you're just like, I can do whatever the fuck I want in here, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll know that I'm doing it subconscious. That's the other part too. Is like that's the scary thing is you don't know that you're picking your nose like that in the car because yeah. you do it so often. So I'll be going to town, and all of a sudden I'll just hear really fucking sarcastically if you find any gold up there let me know <laughs> sure could use it <laughs> <laughs> or if you're if she catches me looking at it like is oh. it gold? you know like is it gold <laughs> like nope it's all green <laughs> that's extra funny yeah. like green gold is not good <laughs> nope nope that's ah, funny so Oh, that's good. And the last two are kind of go um, together in a way, not directly, but this was a Valentine's Day. We were watching the Olympics and she was objectifying a men's double luge pair, pun always intended. (laughs) She goes, (laughs) she goes, they don't look like they have big packages. I'm going to look for packages. (laughs) I'm like, well, now you're getting to the Olympic spirit, I said. And then she's like, who got the goods? (laughs) I think we were like in bed, like going to bed or trying to go to bed. Uh-huh. And she's just hollering that. And then the last, the most recent one on uh, March 1st, we were talking about maybe going to see the movie game night uh, in theaters. And I was like, let's, let's see it. Let's get our laughs on. Or let's say, let's see it, get our laughs on. And then she goes, that's what she said, <laughs> which took me a second. It took me a second. But I was like, Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. Uh, so there's that. Um that's some shit she's been saying recently. Uh I don't have like I mean we've talked about a lot of things we like. I brought something in that I don't really ha- I need to like go on about it like at Dave's Sticks. Like I'm not going to play the full intro. But I got the Twin Peaks soundtrack from the most recent oh, reissue or like yeah. the the limited on television vinyl. series. Yeah, because when we watched it, it uh almost every episode ends with a damn near full performance in uh what viewers of the original show would know as the roadhouse bar 
and um I, God, I, I actually love it like as an album. Like it's like the best fucking mixtape I've heard since like soundtracks in the in the mid nineties. Awesome. There's a song by Nine Inch Nails on there. There's a song by Eddie Vedder. There's a song by a bunch of people I don't know, and some of which is kind of like hipstery even. But I really just love the vibe of it. I I I, I can hear myself listen to this like over and over again. David Lynch um, is the original hipster, by the way. Like. So yeah, but that makes sense. he doesn't have that, like, he's just sort of always, they don't know how hipsters always, like, they refer back to something, and they act, like, they adopt it suddenly, like, and they're like, well, I did this before it was cool, or whatever. You know, all their stuff is retro, but they yeah, just decided the man, one like, day. Lived, it was, like, never progressed past 19, the 1950s, like. Yeah, but, like, David Lynch, like, has has been David Lynch as we v- picture him now. Yeah. Always, <laughs> like, oh, I see what you're saying. Like he like, never, they, he like, just like, literally never changed. To be like, like, <laughs> yeah, up their pants and put on suspenders and yeah, he's just always been doing that. Yeah, <laughs> since I mean, he sort of chose it as well. Like as an art kid in right, whatever the early '80s. In, in any event, like he's got an affectation of sorts, but it's I feel it's pretty genuinely earned, so it doesn't bother me. Um, but it somehow too all that that kind of music does fit with him we spend so much time qualifying our neuroses have you noticed that like uh, yeah i do notice we, that we i can't spend, help like, it there's so much <laughs> this show is spent just like here's oh, why no. it's okay here's why it's okay that we do that thing yeah. that's them okay this is us <laughs> that was the original tagline and, and tone for the program this is us oh man moto put a, moto has a couple chats on here i'm sorry oh. moto cuz i don't keep the i don't keep that window up all the time uh he talks about ai on the new x files which is an ai based on a real twitter account and that shit there's some hilarious things that they've been able to get chatbots to do on twitter that they weren't supposed to do microsoft turned on this chatbot that was supposed to be like really like nice and kid friendly and they had it like wishing hitler was back within 20 minutes like like the, oh, the internet like had it chatting wishing that hitler was back alive and like really they had it broken <laughs> like it's saying this like horrific shit in like 20 minutes like microsoft had to shut it down and it was a bot that, like, the in- people on the internet essentially goaded into saying horrible things? Yeah, like a chat bot. And so, and that that's the difference. That's how it doesn't pass a Turing test, right? Is that those chat bots are still based on an algorithm. Yeah. It's not actually based on intelligent conversation. And so, once you figure out the algorithm, you can steer it to say things the way that you want it to. That's what makes it a, a, that's how you're able, how it doesn't pass the Turing test. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's so that's, that's a good example of that. And then he says, time cop was JCVD's best movie, according to Van Johnson, like as quoted oh, by Van Johnson. Oh, okay. Cause I can't get on board with that. <laughs> yeah, I know you can't get on board. You, it's his you? only number one movie. So I feel like that's why JC views it as like a, a high bar. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I need to finish <laughs> Van Johnson. You scoff at Time Cop every time I bring I it up. I kind of do. Yeah, like yeah. I can't. It's yeah. not. There's so much better. But I gotta. I gotta finish Van Johnson. Um, I started. I was thinking about having a segment just that's called JCVD and me or JC and me, 
purely as an excuse to use this picture I found of me. I had one of those like stand up things. They had a video store. Yeah. It's like a really tall thing of him like doing like a pose yeah. for death warrant. And um, I have a picture of me posing with it in my room like it's him. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was just like, that'd be the, the YouTube thing that for the JC and me yeah. segment. So I don't know. Uh, maybe that will become a thing, but I was thinking about that's it. That's awesome. Um, and Moto sent me a. I don't know if they're airing this by you. I haven't seen it. He sent me like a like a cell phone recording pointed at the television in the last few days of a Tostitos maybe or or Doritos something for chips. Uh, it's not Doritos, but maybe Tostitos if that's a thing. Yeah, because Totino roll Totino are the pepperoni rolls. Tostitos are the chips. I think. Anyways, JC sitting at a around the campfire. Oh, that was to the thread, to the text, to the cast thread. I think, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he's like yeah. JC's ready for the cabin. <laughs> he's just, he's yeah. everywhere. I love it. <laughs> um, All right. Well, um, was there another moto? <laughs> uh, he just said, "That's why he's not getting it." JC and me, and then he stopped laughing. Started laughing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, that's. Any king I mean, corner? I, I'm so I'm recommending uh, find this Twin Peaks soundtrack. I'm sure it's on all of your, you know, you can stream it and stuff. But it's a bunch of different artists, and a, but like all somehow one vibe. So it's really cool. Uh, the only king update I have, I'm I'm plugging through. Uh, did you st- did you come back to the chronology at all yet? I I'm uh, I'm slowly working through road work uh, right now. So what I'm trying okay. to do is make sure I spend one day a week just getting a little bit of that book listen to while i'm listening to all this other stuff for the dog days thing but i i've been i've been enjoying it i you know i come to them so cold i had no idea what road work would be about and so the idea of the plot with the you know the development coming through and kind of messing up this guy's life and business and and him kind of well he's projecting all onto like that's true yeah he's making (laughs) extensions to blame that those things on the development that that's why that one is so ah. good yeah because it's, yeah. it's just it's so psychological it's literally the book version in my opinion it's the book version of the michael douglas movie falling down um, oh which i still i don't know how i never watched that i'm <clears throat> writing that down too I'm gonna oh start my writing, writing down. double d might have a conniption when he finds that out because i know he's seen that yeah. movie and he loves that movie which is funny because uh, isn't that movie about a guy kind of having a conniption? <laughs> it is. It is about that. But it's the same thing where he wants to blame everything else for his own for choices that he made um, or situations uh, yeah. that he could have easily removed himself from instead of having to deal with them, you know? Yeah. Uh, an, an external locus of control. I remember the bride yeah. telling me that about like certain people in her life. She's like, that person, like, it's always about something someone else has done. And I mentioned. Right. No, I think I mentioned that to you in a private conversation where that was a huge realization for me getting to know someone as with her shit together as well as she did that I realized I had done my whole life up until that point. I'd always kind of made problems, other like things other people had done. And like, right. ah, I've done everything I could do or I've done my part to fix it. And right. never once truly owning up to the idea like, oh, maybe I was just flat out wrong about something. Not without qualification, the, just wrong. <laughs> that was the just subtle art of line. not giving the fuck stuff that that affected me, the, like, that I really had the most problem with was the, um, even if it's not, even if it's obviously not 
take the blame for everything that happens in your life. Like even if it, even if you had no control over it, still just take the blame for it. Because then if you're just like, yep, that was my fault. You can take all of that time of resentment where you're like that other person, that other external thing caused that to happen. And that's why this X, Y, and Z didn't happen in my life. Whereas at the moment you realize it happened, if you're just like, yep, that's totally my fault. You have no room for resentment then. Like you have right. no room to carry it with you. Like you're just like, yep, I fucked up. That was totally on me. I am. Let's let's learn from that and move on. And so it creates two things. It's one, you have no chance to carry the resentment with you. And then two, um, you create a learning opportunity to like grow from that experience. And so yeah, impossible, um, possible change, right? Possible right. Like change, something yeah. in th- because if everything's your fault, then like both good and bad things. And I'm so then so... you can kind of try to try to kind of get out of it too. It's like it can be active, I guess. It still all really sucks. Like and, and it's really hard to admit. And it is. And I yourself. and I think that and, and I <laughs> and I definitely know that I've been in that trap where I just want to blame something other than being accountable. I've definitely done that before. Uh, my problem is, is I'm a teacher, and so equity is very important to me. Like I want. I want things to be equitable, right? And uh, so it really is hard for me when I know that there were obvious things that were out of my control that caused negative things in my life. It's really hard for me to let go of that. So so, that would mean like you could own up to a certain point, like these are the things I know I did, but there was also this. Like that's yeah. the equity part. Of it. And like, and, and I can definitely see that caused this, this, and this. So it's real. And, and, and that's where I start falling into the, ex- then he goes on for the rest of that chapter to talk about, if you can't just own up to it, this is going to, ha- this is what's going to happen. And all of those things, like those things where I'm just like, well, I'm not going to let this go. Like, okay, I can be accountable for all this, but this, this, and this, no way. Like, that's not my problem. And then, he goes through the rest of the chapter. If you don't do this, this is going to happen. And I'm like, motherfucker. Like, and so then that what is what makes you feel shitty because you're just like, yep, that happened and that happened and that happened. And oh, if I would have just like, <laughs> if I would have just thrown up to those things and said, yep, those were my fault, then those things wouldn't have. You know what I mean? So uh, that was interesting. Yeah, that's um, that's so, a lot to. I'm not listening to that book. <laughs> yeah. No. No, I I mean it's I I uh I need to digest it more. I, I I'm I'm making it sound all negative, but it's all like it's all good for me. Like it's it's good for me cuz it's eye opening to me. I am self-reflective and I know that I'll look at that and and I, and I those things have eaten into my brain enough now that I listened to that 2 weeks ago and I still can talk about this stuff. Like like it's still fresh. It's been rolling around in my head, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, well, it's just like anything. It's got to get to that moment where the the interest is genuine enough, or like you're right. you're ready to, you know, the right. interest. Well, I I said the interest is genuine enough because I was also thinking about just the simple simple things. I'm that way about like seeing a movie that I didn't necessarily it wasn't my idea initially to right. see I know it's a good idea I know I'll enjoy it I know I should do that but I got to get to the point where like the tipping point is crossed and I got to take action you know that can be really yeah. hard when it feels like, like the action you have to take is too, too <laughs> yeah 
yeah to, it's like say to admit to yourself you're wrong about something that's hard yeah, too like sometimes where it's like okay i know i'm something that you know that isn't your fault and, and that's but the thing like if you say, don't feel like it's your fault it. yeah if I'm you just don't gonna feel the blame for it so that i can move on like that's what i need to come <sighs> to terms with like but can you do that about something? I think you have to believe that's the whole it, right? point of the book. That's why you don't give a fuck. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm, uh, yeah, if... I'm going to take blame for it. Like, what the fuck? Yep. Who cares? Interesting. You know, uh, maybe I will have to try it out because it's I'm not. And that's what he means. He's, like, that. he does make a point like the whole like not giving a fuck thing isn't about that. You don't care about anything. It's just what you choose. You're very selective about the fucks that you do give. Because you really don't have a bunch of them to give in life. So you should be choosy about what you give them for. Um, huh. So, <clears throat> yeah. But um, back to the King Corner road work. I'm glad that you're back on the chronology. Um, yeah. I, I've missed it. And I, once, especially once I'm through listening to all these things for the reissue, which might be a minute. <laughs> it's funny. Oh, even yeah, in no. the, 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 the concert I listened to today, it was a, it was a rough one. There was two times in the entire like two hours that anyone remotely clapped, <laughs> and I was performing badly. Oh. And uh, at some point, I say <laughs> like that. Uh, I say out loud like I never. I wish I could remember the rest of it. But I said something like, "I never like to uh, take." Oh, I was like, "I'm going to blame the snow. I never like to take responsibility for a turnout." <laughs> and that, that was a joke, <laughs> but. That's, obviously that's kind of a problem <laughs> you yeah. gotta take responsibility for things yeah yeah anyway um, um but so as soon as i'm through all that i'm gonna probably get back back into it more in a more concentrated way and after well, road work i'd have cujo but I, i'm digging i'm digging road work and it's cool how it's broken up by days so that yeah. that lends itself to this kind of piecemeal once a well, week that's right session. because it's counting down the days to when his house is going to get demolished right isn't that the like oh, the story yeah, I, mechanic like yes I don't think I put that together. But it goes through. Yeah. But he has until this day for his to be out of his house, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But you no, sent that's me a, a text. Book. You sent me a text about your chronology just the other day. Uh, that's pretty yeah, exciting. I am, I'm powering through. I uh, so I got through the whole Mister Mercedes trilogy. I just listened to all three of those back to back, just to do the trilogy as a whole. Uh, that was really good. I know, like, I a lot of fans do not like all of the, like, 2010 books. Like, huh. there's not very many of them that people, I mean, uh, well, I think 11, 22, 63 and Under the Dome came out prior to 2010. I, the Mr. Mercedes trilogy doesn't get a lot of, like, a lot of people don't like that. Um, They don't like the... Did they do like revival it? a lot. Didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> they like revival a lot, which is um, that one that I said that was uh, almost like a Frankenstein story. Oh in yeah, more ways than one. That one was awesome. I like that one a lot. I love. I I've liked all of these, and I like them for as remorseless as he is in his like from the books from the nineteen eighties, right? So I'm listening to the Mr. Mercedes trilogy and in the first book of the Mr. Mercedes trilogy, he introduces a dog and I'm just like, oh, that poor fucking, as soon as he introduces the dog, I'm like, and that poor fucking dog is going to die horrifically. I'm going to carry nightmares about how that dog is going to die. 
because I just know what he's going to do, right? Like, he only introduces dogs to play on your sympathies so that he can torture them and kill them. Oh, and uh, and the dog, oh d- the God, dog makes a flaming puppy. Yeah. <laughs> the puppy's on fire. I swear someone, someone could be off right now and I wouldn't even know it because there's a puppy on fire. Uh, but the dog makes it. It survives the book. Oh, and good. Spoilers. Even the book is leading towards where the dog is going to die horrifically. And you're just like, oh, this is going to be so bad. And then it doesn't happen. And you're, and so uh-huh. a lot of fans don't like this because they feel like he pulls punches where he wouldn't have before. Oh. And so like I'm using the dog as an example, but they use the Mr. Mercedes example as a because the the main three characters survive the entire trilogy like they don't you know what i mean like a nerve (laughs) i think though and i talked about this when i talked about uh dr sleep a lot of people don't like it just because he's sentimental like i said like so the shining is about alcoholism and dr sleep i really feel like is about recovery and Joyland is this beautiful, like coming of age mystery ghost story, and revival is about what happens after death. And Mr. Mercedes is about retirement, life, like how to find purpose in retirement, you know, in uh, old age, you know. Yeah. And uh they just all have this like sentimentality to them that it, like you can just see, like he's like if the chronology is the best way to do this where i've i've devoted 4 years the last well more than that now i mean i have to think like 2012 so 6 years like let's let's say 5 wow. we'll split the difference right wow of me working through this chronology but if you think that's a that's almost a 40 year career right yeah, yeah like so cram 40 years of writing into five years and you really get to know somebody right Mm -hmm. and uh you can see him grow as a person and i've talked about before like how um i think how the reason his answers for why he did things changes over that 40 years is because he's just trying to he's trying to figure it out at that moment when that question's asked and he's using his basis for reference of where he's at in his life at that moment to, because if you listen to about his writing process, he doesn't do a lot of like pre-writing. He doesn't, he just lets the story flow out of, out of what it is so that he views his writing where he is a reader when he's writing it. Like he's watching the story happen just like a reader would be when they're reading it. And, uh, so that's why his answer changes every time because he doesn't think about his writing. He just lets it happen. You know, he's kind of like the yeah. the conduit for it to happen. And so because of that, you you really do see a growth. You see this this like cynical young man who's just like, fuck you. Like I'm gonna change I'm gonna change the world. He still has that like hippie protesting Vietnam mentality, like through the 80s, like I'm gonna change the world. Right. And then in the 90s, it's like coming to terms with. I can't. <clears throat> OK, I'm not going to change the world. 
but maybe I can just change me, right? Because he's doing a lot of. Yeah. That's where he's coming, going through his recovery, you know. And then in the like early two thousands, it's more of the of the like, okay, we can ch- like change working on me helped change the world. So let's look at that, you know. And now he's just like this old man who's a grandpa that's just like looking <laughs> back and like in his writing is reflecting that. And it's just so beautiful and awesome. And just like I he sticks to that adage, that old writer's adage of write what you know. So it, like his characters age with him, you know, and his he's not still trying to write. Like if you look at his stuff from the 80s the writer characters that dominate his books Yo, are yeah, all yeah. like in their twenties or early thirties where he was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then as they get like, as those writer characters appear later in later books, like they're getting older, just like he's getting older, you know? And uh, he's always writing what he knows. And it's just so it is really beautiful. And I think that you really can only appreciate I can totally understand why people don't like these the last decade of books as much. I mean, they're not definitely not as powerful, I don't think, as the, the stuff from the 80s. Um, but they just have this... It's like a refined Stephen King where it doesn't feel like... It feels like a recovering cocaine addict instead of a cocaine <laughs> addict. Like... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I would hope he would appreciate that, uh, that um, simile. But yeah, so that's awesome. I'm on, that is beautiful. I, I, I I'm on Bazaar of Bad Dreams right now, which is his latest short story collection. It's one of the most comprehensive audio versions of his collection of stories. Short stories. Those will typically be truncated so like none of the short stories are abridged but not all of the short stories that are in the print will make it to audiobook typically yeah in his collection i thought that was stories. weird uh this one though is massive as an audiobook as far as short stories go like there's a ton of short stories and he does an intro to every one which is like reads the intro forever. It's him reading the intro and then somebody else reading the story. Oh, that sounds great. Oh, is it fantastic? Because it it, like you get instant insight for the inspiration for this story. And then you get to hear the story and you get to hear him say it. And then (coughs) the people who read the short stories are all of his most recent um, narrators from his audiobooks. So like Will Patton did the um, Mr. Mercedes trilogy. He read all three of those. He read it. He also read Mr. Mercedes as well. Uh, and he's an actor. You'd know him if you saw him. Yeah. Will am I right? Did he do Dr. Sleep? Cause I feel like we talked about that. And yeah, I looked it up Dr. and I was like, Oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. He read Dr. Sleep. Yeah, he read okay. the whole Mr. Mercedes trilogy. He reads a couple of these short stories uh, the guy that read eleven twenty two sixty three, he reads one of the short stories. Uh, so you, some of the narrators are familiar, but you always get him in between each one, like talking, just giving a little, like four paragraphs 
about what this like where this story comes from and uh that sounds perfect (laughs) it's it's really awesome and i i'd highly recommend and then the short stories are really strong too i like i like i've liked just about all of the short stories some of them are super short some of them are really long um but all of them are really good so that's what i'm working on right now i i did just get from the library though uh sleeping beauties which i have gwendy's button box to get through after Bizarre of Bad Dreams, which that's just a short story that he collaborated with somebody on. And then after that is Sleeping Beauties. And then I am officially caught up on the Stephen King chronology. That's wow. <laughs> if I get done before May, The Outsider comes out in May, uh, which is his, oh, yeah. his newest one, his 2018 book. So. Uh, I would like to be done before May so that I can say I am officially current with Stephen King. Um, That's pretty cool. And then this summer is the, <clears throat> the TV series based on like his universe, right? The Castle, Castle Rock, Rock series on Hulu. TV, yeah, on Hulu. I got to try to convince Ash to get Hulu before then. I um, think that's the one that we'll get to to make up for the DVD uh, thing that we're going to cancel yeah. from Netflix. When we currently have in the house... The latest season of Game of Thrones, which is the last thing we're actually really watching on disc from Netflix, and uh, so I think after that we're gonna switch over. So I'm yeah. hoping to hoping to watch that over the summer. Awesome. Well, uh, that's all I pretty much have for King Corner. That was a uh, that was a pretty amazing King Corner from my perspective. Hearing you talk about that overview, and it's really all of those things that you vocalize so well about why I've loved to follow people's careers so closely and so loyally. That's all I really do. That's how, like how I watch and or listen to anything. There's yeah. only there's only a, the occasional outlier of of like a curiosity, but usually it's just like okay, so and so's new thing, and I'll, I'll watch it. And that's I, what I love to see. All you were saying about watching them grow as a person, watching them people grow creatively, yeah. seeing sort of myself grow alongside <clears throat> them if it's in real time, and yeah, that's pretty wicked though that you've been able to do that with Stephen King over such a long career. And you can actually see it like that. that, That's like, I don't recommend if you're going to like, well, I don't recommend that anybody do that. I, 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 I can't see anybody without our kind of personalities, like the completest, let's just binge of as much of this artist as we can. I can't see a lot of people enjoying thoroughly enjoying that. Like I've owned, I take that back. I have listened to the Harry Potter series because I try to go through the Harry Potter series once a year as well as the Dark Tower series once a year. But for the last six years, essentially the only audiobooks I've listened to have been Stephen King books. A lot of people would not enjoy that. Yeah, even I can't be as... I have not been able <laughs> yeah. to be as dedicated as you were. That's the, that's the only thing. But I thing. can say it is so eye-opening to... You literally get to see this artist grow in their craft um and and to see the choices that they make and and all that stuff and and get to know them uh yeah i i don't know if i could ever this is funny like because you get to know them through their work i don't know if i'd ever want to meet stephen king in person because i don't think i would like him oh because of what you know of him from his work No, I just don't know. Like, I don't know if uh, I would be constantly worried that he was thinking I was a crazy fan because he's like, 
he is so open about how he just assumes all of his fans are crazy fans. You, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, like they're all like uh, Annie Wilk, Wilkes from oh. uh, <laughs> yeah. Misery. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and unfortunately, yeah, I know there are fans. I mean, obviously, that inspired that. That uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, so. But there's a few of his stories that uh, deal with these kinds of fans. And I'm just like, I would be worried he would think I, because I'd want to talk Dark Tower and I want to be like, you know, that book, that series of books changed my life. And I know there's plenty of people that have probably said that to him. And uh, yeah, I, I, I would not, I don't think if I ever got to meet him, it's, I should just, maybe this is a better way to say it. I don't think I would enjoy it if I ever got to meet him because I would be, worried that i'm just like oh i'm just fulfilling this like archetype that he already this predetermined notion that he has of me because i can't stop rambling about the dark tower and how awesome it is so yeah that's why i i for the same reasons i i never really like think about meeting any of the my yeah the people i admire because i i don't have any i know tons about them obviously but it's i just don't know how that conversation could go right (laughs) right right it's too it's too weird it's too uncomfortable for me (laughs) i don't want to do it um Uh, i i i today is a huge day for a lot of reasons uh Stephen Hawking passed away today. Oh yeah, that really bothered me a lot. I did not expect oh. that to affect me as much as it did, but it did. It was like the like it, I just see that as like the like this idea of imagination and uh, of dying with him, like this idea of exploring and everything. But he's a, he's definitely inspired. But there's that. There's Pi Day. It was like Einstein's birthday. All these things merged today. And we got to record episode forty-three, a long, long, short drink, in which we talked about some sciency and stuff, right? I guess we did. <laughs> I'm just saying, like it was just like this culmination of a day. So thanks, buddy. I appreciate oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. Likewise, it's I always look forward to this. Yeah. Um. So be sure to subscribe. Um. At on Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play Music. Search "long, long, short drink." You'll be able to find us there and subscribe. You'll get all the audio versions of these conversations that we actually put, like edited down and put out with the sound bites and everything. Um, you can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes. The more subscri- subscribers we have, the closer we get to that hundred mark where we get our unique URL. Oh, the YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is YouTube. the one where. Did I say YouTube? Yeah. I think or you said I iTunes, not? unless I was. Oh, right. Listening, right. No. YouTube. Please subscribe on YouTube. There you get to see the video versions of these conversations, as well as if you click the bell, you'll get notified every time we go live. So that way you'll be able to watch us recording these um, and get the whole conversation. Uh, You can reach out to us on Twitter at LWSD pod. Email us um, at uh, LWSD pod at gmail.com and be sure to visit uh, audiotrial.com slash LWSD for your audio trial and free audiobook. Um, get yeah, audible, uh, though. I'm sure <clears throat> audible trial. Our, listeners know. our yeah. listeners know the deal. And if you haven't yeah. gone there, why not? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, lackluster, why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Dave, thanks a lot, buddy. 
You are welcome. I was just noticing that. I, I don't say you are welcome. I often say, yeah, which I didn't realize I did. And you had called out, like not against me, but you were like, I, you had told me a while back, you're trying to say you're welcome. Because people and, don't uh, say you're welcome. Have you noticed that? Yeah. I always used to do that as a kid and was always struck by people who said, yeah. And somehow I became a person who says, yeah. <laughs> um, or of course, I, I was really bad about yeah. saying, of course, like, well, yeah, of course I feel I'm like, going to do that. Don't I feel like me. I've tried to say you're welcome with my tone, but as I hear myself on this podcast a lot, I'm like, I'm not saying it. So I need to say it. So you are welcome. You are most you welcome. Are welcome. You're always yeah. welcome. <laughs> you are, and but, it feels weird saying you are welcome. Like, like because it does a little bit. You start to realize how many people, how many times people needlessly thank you. You don't need to say thank you as many times as we say thank you as a people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like sign-offs and emails are so often thanks, even though if, I often wonder, I'm like, am I thanking them for something for real? And if not, right. then maybe I won't say thanks. Right, but, right. Uh, yeah. Like we do say needlessly thank you a lot um, for things that I don't think you should thank somebody for being a good human being. You should just be a good human being, right? Like you should thank them for going out of their way to be a good human being, you know? Yes, uh, yes. Which um, we thank our our listeners for going out of their way to listen to our three hour podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. Which thank we did genuinely. almost fill it out to three hours. So can't help uh, it. Not at <laughs> all. No. Uh, like, listen, we had episodes that were up to five hours. Again, if this is your first episode, good luck on catching up, fuckers. Like, <laughs> not gonna happen. Thousands of hours. Like, oh, it's worthwhile. It's so worthwhile. It, it is. There's good shit back there. You won't get any of the in jokes. Just so you know uh but yeah man um but i think getting we've been really good about wrapping up by 11 so we've been really good about starting pretty much on time wrapping up pretty much on time they've been shaping up i've noticed these last few episodes have been like right around like two hours 50 minutes which is good so still longer than a typical movie in the theater which is fantastic it but it's yeah. perfect because you can get two episodes in a day if you really are committed in a work day you know oh but, yeah no they're they're a good one to where <coughs> you can walk around with it spend some time hang out yeah and it, it is literally like i it feels to me like this is how long we would talk if we were talking on the phone and this is why i usually don't call people because right usually i can't no one can do a three-hour call, right? Or right. I, I'm still often thinking of it as like a virtual beer with your with your buddy. So if we went and hung out, that might yep. be a lot of beers. In any event, it feels like a no, good but size. It's, That's I think said. typical dudes though, like I don't think it's out of the question to say I'm going to go out for beers with the guys one night a week. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and we just have to be common. doing it virtually. So. Yeah, we but cracked the code. <laughs> I have to piss like a racehorse. So yeah, this might be our first three hours without a pee break. So let's. Yeah, <laughs> that is impressive. Like, I, I can't imagine what you have to go, what you're going through right now. I, I don't know why I don't have me, to go like, as much. Yeah, but so, but we'll but, sign off with that. Thanks so much to you, my friend. Thanks to all our listeners. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yes, yes, indeed. You are also welcome. Cheers, long walkers. Awesome. We'll, we'll yep. see you next time. Yep. See you guys next next time, long walkers. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Long-